LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning! So a lot of people walking about dressed as Charlie Chaplin or Mr Bean. Very old, actually. (coughs) Perhaps it was a convention. Nice to have you company. Welcome along. It's LBC 97.3. As Duncan just said to me a minute ago, he said, you know, we've, we've sewn up nights and early mornings on, uh, on LBC and in London, bar none. And you've got to look at the figures to realise this is where, as he says, late night London comes to talk. And then, as far as I'm concerned, this is where early morning London, because it's a 24-hour city, uh, gets up and listens to the programme. And the figures speak volumes for themselves, which is lovely. Anyway, on the show today, me. Oh, well, I bought this great thing for Christmas the other day. You know me, I'm not easily impressed when it comes to Christmas. But this particular item, I'm, I'm quite, it's, it's going to sound really horrible and naff. And I don't want it to sound horrible and naff, because when I describe it, it sounds horrible and naff. But I, I saw it in a garden centre the other day, and then I went to another garden centre, because all the garden centres now do their Christmas displays, and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. Some really horrible-looking Christmas trees. I mean, some of you, you look at them and think, why would anybody ever want to buy that? It doesn't even look like a Christmas. I mean, the saddest ones are in Marks and Spencers, where they've quite clearly got a job lot from somewhere, and they're, they're, sp- they're, they're fake trees, but they're just awful. And I thought it was just Twickenham that had the most awful tree. I looked at it and I thought, God, that is the most awful tree I've ever seen. And then I went to Marks and Spencer in Epping and they've got the same tree. So they've obviously been distributed. They've hardly got any branches on them. They're like little cheap throwaways. The kind of thing that you probably stick in a kid's bedroom. Horrible, horrible. I had a better one inside the Arctic Circle. Much better. Anyway, uh, it's not a tree I bought. It's a picture. I'll tell you about it later. I'll tell you about it later. I might, I might later on today take a, a picture of it and, and tweet it. Because I think it's so good. Uh, we've got killer rats, but I don't really worry about killer rats. A French super rodent immune to poison arrives in the UK. Would it come in on EasyJet or something? And just sort of, you know, put its bags down and go, we are here and we are staying. I think it's unlikely. Uh, Kevin O'Sullivan, we uh, reviewed. Why did I cut this bit out of a paper yesterday? There was one bit I cut out of a paper, and for the life of me, I cannot remember why I cut it out of Metro. It was uh, somebody talking about... uh, Oh, that's right. It was last orders at the bar. And the reason I cut it out is because the amount of pubs that are closing. And uh, it was a very good Metro in focus the other day. A piece done by a guy called Joel Taylor. And it's, it's really embarrassing, actually. It's really embarrassing because there are two sort of main companies. One is Enterprise... And the other one is Punch Taverns. Now, I know landlords who've worked for Enterprise and they hate them. In other words, what, what happens is they own the pub. You go in, they do the pub up, they charge you for this. Don't, don't ever go into being, uh, being a pub landlord thinking you're going to make money because the average salary is about 12 grand each. In fact, there is one particular couple. They've got a very busy pub, but they have to take second jobs to make ends meet because they are charged for their beer... 70% more through, through the brewery than they are if they actually went onto the open market. In fact, it would be cheaper to go to Waitrose, buy your beer and your spirits, than it is buying it from these companies. Because all they do is, once, once they, they've had the money out of you, and the chief executive of Enterprise, I think, picked up, what was it last year, £640,000. This is where pubs are closing left, right and centre, a bonus of 329,000 and pension contributions of 160,000. So all they do is they just asset strip. You know, they just sell off pubs and they get turned into houses 
or they get turned into coffee shops, or they get turned into coffee bars, or little little Costco's, uh, not Costco's, um, you know, <laughs> little co- very little Costco, wouldn't it? But to Starbucks, actually talking to Starbucks, God, was I annoyed the other day. You know, Starbucks do this big thing. Oh, the red tops are out now. Oh, the red tops are out now. Yeah, so it comes with a price increase. Starbucks, sneaky little so-and-sos, have put the price of all their coffee up. 10p on everything. Rate, so have it, having declared that they're not going to be bothered to pay corporation tax, because let's face it, stuff you. Who pays corporation tax? Certainly not them. And so they put the price of coffee up yesterday. So now it's about um, £3.00. For a grande cup, three pounds. That is called rip-off. There's no indication that the price of coffee has gone up. Price of milk hasn't gone up as far as I know. And there they are, blatantly adding 10p, you know, without any justification whatsoever. It's like, stuff you, we don't care. And once one puts it up, they'll all put it up. It's like, let's rip everybody off this year, isn't it? Every single company, electricity, gas. We'll all go back to burning peat. Not not Peter, but Pete, you know, you get from, from, from sort of bogs and stuff like that. Ridiculous. Ten p- I, got, I got quite angry yesterday in Starbucks. I thought, you know, not even... Sorry, we've had to put the prices up because the price of coffee shot through the roof, which is a load of old cobblers, as we all know. They just put it up because it's coming up to Christmas and they can rip you off. So only little people like you bother with tax. Little peasants out there. Certainly nothing to do with these, these big companies. They don't bother anymore. They really don't. Here's the, uh, the dog... Uh, and this girl who was uh, attacked, she was killed by her pet dog. This dog is, I don't know how big it is, actually. I mean, it's, look, it's ten stone. It's a French Mastiff. And um, I the, the mother stabbed it to death after it had mauled the kid. I mean, what stupid family have a big dog like this around a little girl? I mean, you know, it's a rescue dog. There's, you're not going to look at this thing and look at the size of its feet. Its feet are bigger her head. It's absolutely enormous. It's absolutely enormous. And you think, and so you, you play with it and they say, oh, it was, it was her little dog. And, um, it's, I mean, it's just dreadful. I'm sick to death of reading these stories about these big dogs that people, you see them walking down the street, don't you? You see the people walking down the street and they've got these huge dogs. They haven't been to puppy training because they're quite clearly not, uh, not intelligent uh, enough. Uh, I went to see Philomena yesterday. It was great. I laughed and cried. Steve Coogan was wonderful. Everybody clapped at the end. Did did they when you went, says Joyce. Well, yeah, and I, I went to a hard-bitten journalist screening. I, I saw it in a preview cinema, which is not, not the big cinema, but it's uh, a preview, probably about 30, 40 seats. Some of them are much smaller than that, but really lovely. And you sit there in comfy seats and they give you coffee. And it's all the journalists. We sit down and we did exactly the same. There you go. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Alan has sussed out exactly what it was that I bought. It's uncanny, isn't it? Uncanny. He says, uh, if I'm right, they're great. Um, and they do them at Not Cuts in Stains, and that's exactly where I bought it from. Then I saw the same ones in Garston's, the farm shop, and they're the same price, because I was, I was... And I went on to Amazon, and they're roughly about the same price, but the pictures aren't as good. It's obviously quite a good selection. And, oh, they've given it away. It's a picture. It's a picture. That's what it is. A Christmas picture. But it's a picture with a difference. It's a picture with a difference. It's really quite nice, actually. I'm slightly worried about uh, that Joe Lyons and a onesie. I'm trying to sort of conjure up an image of a, of a onesie. Are they, are they, do they have, is, it, that's, is that the sort of thing that Joey Essex wears outside because he's the last moron in the village? God, he's going to be so boring in the jungle thing, isn't he? He's just going to be the girl's blouse from hell. And then they've put Layla Morse, a bankrupt, out there. Might as well stick Martine McCutcheon in while they're at it. Why don't we put all the bankrupts out there? 
and they can earn some money and pay it back. That'd be good, wouldn't it? I don't have any objection to people going bankrupt, as long as they make some effort to pay things back. 84850, uh, stevedlbc.co.uk. Front page of The Sun, two of the stupidest girls in the entire world. This is Amber Langford and Ali Collinge, who went to a fancy dress outfit in Chester, dressed as the Blazing Twin Towers. I mean, you can't even imagine how stupid these girls are. You cannot... You know, their family today, deeply, deeply embarrassed. I think their father, one of the fathers, is um, a pilot. Martin Langford, who was flying United Express jets in America when Al-Qaeda destroyed the New York's World Trade Centre, said he was shocked by the costume, which saw Amber Nightingale share a prize. What a stupid girl. They don't come any thicker, do they? She knows I'm a pilot and it's not cool. We think we'll be having a little chat. Well, quite clearly, she's as dumb as anything. She couldn't be more stupid. Have a little chat... Oh, dear, the embarrassment. I wish I was on radio in Chester. Well, you can pick this up in Chester. Perhaps we should pipe it into their home and go, you are the thickest, ugliest pair I've ever seen. How stupid are you? We're sorry. We, we never meant to be offensive. What did you think it was, love? I mean, you can't be that dim. Your parents cannot have brought up somebody as thick as that. It's not possible. Please, God, tell me you aren't that stupid. You know, with the, the building collapsing and flames coming out, that's, that, that's their fancy dress costume. The University of Chester... And Chester Students' Union said in a statement, we utterly condemn the appalling photos. Both organisations have begun an urgent investigation. What a bunch of thickos. Is that Chester? Are they really that thick in Chester? You stupid girl. They'll be invited onto television now to explain their actions. That's what people do. They make silly mistakes. And it's not just a silly mistake. This is just an appalling bad taste. Appall- I mean, why don't you just go as sort of a concentration camp victim and just really chuck the whole sixpenneth in? Stupid girls. Really ridiculous. Well, this is nice, isn't it? It's Britain's biggest drug boss. This is Curtis Warren. He's got to pay £198 million confiscation order or face ten more years in jail. Because he'd actually claimed that his £200 million fortune, which is made on drugs, has uh, disappeared. I mean, I'd say, you know, I think £198 million or ten years in jail. He's going to stay in jail for an extra ten years, isn't he? I mean, how stupid is that? That's not exactly going to be... He had, um... He was given a, a 13... He's due for release next year for a 13-year sentence for plotting to smuggle cannabis into the Channel Islands. He comes from Liverpool. He was boasting that he'd, uh, he laundered £15 million a week from drug deals. Well, they go, oh, why don't they just say, look, you're going to spend 20 years in prison. You either pay this 190... He's not going to bother about it. Why should he worry about it? Why should he worry? I should imagine he's got a nice little cushy earner inside. Most of these people have, haven't they? Uh, so, who's this? Oh, uh, Ashton Kutcher and... Uh, Mila Kunis will announce their engagement as soon as his divorce from Demi Moore becomes official. He's a miserable so-and-so, isn't he? Nobody knew who he was until he married Demi Moore. And that, that kind of made his career. But I've known a few people like that in my time, in the business, who've married somebody famous and it's launched them as a career. When you look at uh, some of them, I could probably name them off the top of my head, but actually, I shall save it. I shall save it for later. And why not? Because it's Wednesday morning in London town. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. And it's quarter past four. The- Interesting, that Mohammed Abdul Mohammed, who, who walked out wearing a burqa, prompts me to ask the question, are there loads of them hanging up inside there and you just sort of rent one for the day, or is there some poor woman wandering around in bra and pants going, I left it here, and all of a sudden somebody's walking out in it, in that size? I've never heard of anything like it. Always there's somebody on the inside uh, who said, don't worry, I've got a burqa you can slip out in. I mean, because otherwise, they, they, I wouldn't have thought they had them hanging up in there, unless they have a little shop that sells them. 
I think highly. I was listening to the bloke who owns the mosque, who said the mosque up, and he said no. He said there was no evidence that suggests it was actually him. Well, he went in and he didn't come out again. So what do you think? Through the chimney? I don't think so. Nick Ferrari, this morning at seven, as a ninth cyclist dies on London's roads, Nick will be asking, how can we stop any more tragedies like this happening again? And the simple answer is, you can't. You can't. Cyclists become invisible. They're uh, as much a hindrance to themselves as indeed the traffic is to them. They still jump red lights. They still whiz over zebra. They couldn't give a flying forex. They're not remotely interested. It's always the innocent ones that get killed, though. So now nine. I'm surprised it's not higher, to be honest with you. Plus all the latest from the mayoral elections in New York. And can businesses afford to pay their staff the living wage? Looking at the newspaper today, Oliver Duff, editor of the I newspaper. We live in the studio. If you haven't heard already, says Miranda in Toronto, the crack-smoking mayor finally came clean today. Said he may have tried it once when he was in one of his drunken stupors. He's not going to be stepping down, as there's still work to be done to save the taxpayers' money and stop the gravy train. He will be running for re-election next year. I should imagine they'll kick him out. I mean, only in only in Toronto can you have a crack-smoking mayor. I've never anything like it at all. Apparently, Glenn says it's Bry Nylon and Faux Fur Lined. This is the onesie. The well-dressed folk of Romford will need someone to show off their fake Ugg boots down the market, especially in mid-July. Actually, I did watch my big fat gypsy wedding, talking of bad dressing, and it was good old Thelma, friend to the travellers, you know, or, fr- you know, never, never tells you how much she charges for the dresses, because you'll all be going, well, where do they get that sort of money from? It's because they don't pay tax, that's why. And uh, so Thelma's on there, and she's designing these outfits. And then they finally come clean and tell you everything that I've been saying for the past three years, that all this cheap, tarty-looking dresses and the outfits, that's nothing to do with, with gypsy life. That's a recent thing. They had a woman sitting there, she said, it's disgusting. She was sitting in her caravan telling her it was disgusting. And uh, she said, dressing themselves like that. They look like whores. It's absolutely disgraceful. You don't dress little girls up with little... They're wearing little outfits, which, and they're sort of doing all these thrusting motions. That's, that's what the modern ones do. It certainly was never, ever like that. You, you read any books on Gypsy Live, you, if your girl dressed like that, slap her. Not, not slap her. Slap her. Dreadful, dreadful. So they had these girls dressed... They can't even get in cars. There's this town in Northern Ireland, they say it's the richest town because it's full of travellers. You think, yeah, because they don't pay any tax. That's why. It's all very cleverly done, isn't it, really? Uh, With all the demonstrations, I heard in your news report that uh, the Ritz have their shutters down. Do they? I didn't know they had shutters at the Ritz. It was just a lot of people. What I thought was funny, and Duncan hit the nail on the head, I thought he was absolutely right, saying they're all, they're all protesting about this uh, being picked on because they're poor and this kind of thing, and, it's, and yet they're wearing masks made in Chinese sweatshops. Never crossed their mind, I suppose, that they're actually adding to the problem. Wearing masks made in China by people who earn diddly squats. So they're exploiting the people. Talk of exploiting. Marks and Spencers. Remember that huge advert with all these people on? With Twiggy, Laura Bailey... Uh, Naomi Lenoir and everybody else, and apparently sales are down. You cannot, you cannot sort of get people to go shop in Marks and Spencers. And yet Primark have surged 22%, 4.3 billion. You know why? Because it's cheap rubbish. But they don't tell you it's cheap rubbish. Unlike, unfortunately, Gerald Ratner, who told you his jewellery was crap, and that kind of sealed his fate. As we said yesterday on the programme, the, uh, the poor old Ryanair is dipping they're losing hand over fist. 30 million, Michael O'Leary won, because he was also rude to his customers. Well, I did predict yesterday, and I was talking to some friends of mine in banking, and they said he's trying to halt the slide. But the trouble is, I think the damage has been done. I don't, th- I don't think Michael O'Leary cares about his customers at all. 
they've already had to start slashing prices because you know if you go on Ryanair, uh, you have to... You, you don't get an allocated seat. It's just pick and mix. You just take your seat. If you pay £10, then you can have your seat allocated. Uh, if you want to... If, if, if you cancel, that costs you £100. There's all these extras all over the place. So now they've dropped it. And I think now it's £4 something if you want to reserve your seat. So you can actually have a seat number. And also, if you turn up at the gate... And you, I think Padre yesterday, the producer, he turned up without his boarding pass. Cost him £70 to get a boarding pass. And unfortunately, that's why it's kicking him in the rear end. Poor old Michael O'Leary. You know, he's already described... He doesn't care about customers at all. Now, he's suddenly... Obviously, the board have said to him, you better keep your big mouth shut, pal. Because otherwise, you're going to lose more and more and more as people go on EasyJet and they take British Airways, which fly to exactly the same places. There's no advantage to flying Ryanair at all. They quite clearly don't care about you. They're just interest. He owns, I think... Five million shares? Fifty million shares, I think, which is great. But, of course, at the rate they're bottoming out at the moment, it might be worth absolutely diddly squat by this time next year because people are voting with their feet with thinking, well, if, if you don't want to, you know, our customer, this is the way you treat us. You know, when people have said, can I have a refund? No, you can't have a refund, he says. And you think you better start learning how to treat, treat your passengers properly because once they start deserting and they discover they get better service on EasyJet, better service on British Airways, better service everywhere, why would they bother flying with, the, with you? So you need to halt it very quickly. Very, very quickly. Apparently, women's love lives get better with age, says the uh, joy of sex author, 63. Susan Quilliam, she's single again, and uh, she says your love life gets better with age. I don't know, do you forget about things like that? I don't know whether or not you kind of sort of, you know, when you get to, say, 55, 60, do you stop thinking about S-E-X? You know, or, do you, or do you think about it more? Thinking about it and doing it, I suppose, are two completely different things. Uh, Prince Charles is uh, guest editor on Country Life this week. Uh, he agreed to turn journalist. Of course he did, because he's just self-promotion. Of course he is. So they've stuck him on the front page. They do actually brown-nose Country Life. You know, everybody's like, yeah, Charles, you know, front cover. Fantastic. And so they stick him on the front cover. The editor says, the commemorative edition is a unique record of the prince's love of the countryside. It's great. He's never had to spend a penny of his own money. It just generates, doesn't it? And as we discovered yesterday, it doesn't generate enough to actually pay proper tax. By the time they've taken off all their other things, that's why it's under investigation at the moment. They're trying to make him come clean about this creative accounting. But it goes on all over the place. It's legal until the, uh, the tax office closed that down then, you know, some people will be paying a lot of tax and some people who turn over a lot of money don't pay any tax at all. Wasn't it Dewhurst, the butchers, some years ago? A pound in tax. I mean, that was, that was it back in the ions of time. It was back so far, so far ago. And I think they paid something like a... It was something ridiculous, whatever it was. We used to have a Dewhurst butcher in Twickenham. Not for long, we didn't. Because the moment people discovered they weren't paying tax, they deserted them and the whole company collapsed like a pack of cards. Which is also... The way that poor old Mr O'Leary needs to worry about Ryanair. You've got to be very careful. There's a limit to how far the public will be pushed. Once they think somebody's taking the mickey... Like Starbucks, putting their prices up. So now you're paying... If you, if you want a grande cappuccino, that's nearly £3. In fact, actually, it is £3. It was... Two, with, with an extra shot, two eighty-five. Now it's £3. For a little bit of frothy milk and a little tiddly bit of coffee in there. I mean, it's just ripping people off. You know, they only employ Polish staff. Never seen anybody who wasn't Polish. We had a couple in, in Twickenham who weren't Polish. It's all Polish staff in there. You go into, into most places now, it's Polish staff everywhere. Polish hairdressers, Polish shops. Hounslow's a huge Polish community. And Ealing's a big Polish community. So they work in all the shops. Why? 
because it's worth more money to them here, and I bet they don't get paid as much as they would back in Poland. I'm not even sure if Starbucks is in Poland. I'd like to find out, actually, what you can earn in, in Poland in Starbucks and what you can earn over here. And I bet here is, is an awful lot better. That's why they come over here and they end up being road sweepers, because it pays better. It pays better. 84850, uk. Would you risk a risque photo shoot? Would you do... A, a, a nude photo shoot. There's a lot of... It's, it's mainly concerned with women here. And people say it's very liberating. It's just taking your clothes off in front of a stranger. There's no liberation about it whatsoever. If you want to be liberated, just stand in the middle of Charing Cross Road, start naked, and see how long it is for the police arrest you. We used to get streaking at Twickenham. We don't even get streaking now. It's far too cold. Nobody runs out there. You don't want to be people to point and, you know, laugh. There was that famous picture, wasn't there? Where... Somebody was streaking at Twickenham, a policeman's helmet is covering the offending article like nobody's ever seen a willy before. And so, and then we had Erica Rowe. She became very famous because she was uh, hugely and desperately unattractive and bounced around over Twickenham. Everyone was streaking at one time. But they've got these women who, who take their clothes off because they go, it's liberating and I'm doing it for cancer charity or for dementia or whatever it happens. And I think, why would taking your clothes off have anything to do with, I mean, you know, would you take your clothes off, Sam? No, nobody's ever asked, have they? Who's asked? Who? Who asked? Come on, who's asked? Who's asked? Who? People. Yeah, just people. There's nobody, is there? Nobody's ever up. People in the street, they go past you and go, let's take your clothes off. And you go, thank you very much. I didn't know. I can't do that. I'd never, well, I don't know. I was trying to think, actually. I was, I was advocating years ago the LBC nude calendar for charity. We could all hide behind Nick Ferrari, I thought. <laughs> be quite, quite a good idea. Don't want to hide behind somebody like Anthony Davis. Might be showing too much. But they all do it, don't they? We've got the, the Warwick Rugby Club and we've got rowing clubs and all sorts of people and they, they just take it off for, for charity. Interesting. Uh, Downton Abbey's latest heartthrob says being an upper-class actor is a hindrance. This is Julian Ovenden, who plays Charles Blake. He says he was always saddled with posh boy roles because of his Eton education. Well, it kind of figures, doesn't it, really? There's not a lot you can do about it. Dominic West, of course... Uh, another one. He was three years... Uh, uh, Julian Ovenden was three years above Prince William and Eddie Remain, Redmayne, other leading actors to emerge from the school, Dominic West and Damien Lewis. Speaking at the London Festival of Cabaret, he says, I don't know if Eton has been a leap pad. Well, I was, don't you think, really, you go to Eton, you get a fantastic education, you mix with lots of... It, and then you become an actor. It's a bit like, you know, I'm, I'm at Eton and I'm now in porn. You know, or I've run away to... I don't know why I thought of porn, I'm afraid. But I'm sure there must be people who've been to Eton who have run away and joined a circus. And probably done porn at the same time. But uh, it's taking your clothes off time. Not on this programme this morning. Uh, we're going to be talking as well about polar bears. Polar bear prison. It's the same... Te- they get the same coverage every year, this town. Every year, polar bears wander into town looking for food. And every year, the good townsfolk... Uh, who are on starvation rations out there because you're in the middle of nowhere and it's snow for about seven months of the year or something. They have to airlift them out and stick them somewhere else and the polar bears just wander back in again or they keep them locked up in cages because they're hungry and they're going to go where food is. They're a bit like sort of foxes, only just slightly bigger. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Time now, 4.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 29 minutes to five. Hope you're well. I just ask, because that's what the British do, isn't it? We just say, are you well? And hope that nobody's going to start running through their entire medical history, which I I tend to do. So anyway, so yesterday... I thought, um, I, I, don't know, I, don't know. I got back home and we had to have a, a man in. 
at home to check out the emergency lighting. Because if you live in a, in a flat, you've got to make sure that it's looked after properly. So we have a man who comes in and he spends two hours going round, checking all the emergency lighting that's coming on. We've got three that failed, so we've got to have three lights changed, which is, which is fine. It's all right. So we did that. And then I thought to myself, right, what a miserable day. It was raining a little bit. And I didn't want to walk out with an umbrella. So I thought, I know, I'll, I'll get in the car and I'll go to a few garden centres. I had on my shopping list pickled onions. Because in the garden centres at Christmas, they have lots of stolen and fruit cakes and um, how sorry handmade cakes by Aunt Enid and stuff like this. And and in the the one up at Stains, not Cuts, they have these big jars of pickled onions, which I bought last year. And I think last year they were about I don't know twelve quid or something for a big jar. I mean, like a big jar of pickled onions. And I so I'm looking round trying to find. I found them. But they looked a bit weak and emaciated, these pickles. So I didn't buy them. They were only seven ninety nine. So I looked at them. I picked up the jar. Because, you know, when you get a craving, and I thought I could have the jar on the front seat. I could open the top and pop a couple of pickled onions in my mouth, which would keep me going. Because I like my, my favourite, if I was, was going to do it, I don't do it very often, pickled onions, a bit of French bread and some cheese, cracker barrel or something like that. And that's quite nice, actually, but I love pickled onions. I could eat, I could eat 20 pickled onions, easy peasy. I can't work out if they're good for you or bad for you. But anyway, so I, I sort of went up there, I had a look around, and I sort of walked through the Christmas department. And I'm always looking for something unusual for Christmas. I'm always looking for something that's different. I wasn't looking for a Christmas tree. I wasn't looking for any baubles. I like looking at baubles, but I thought, no, we've got enough baubles. And that wasn't interesting. I'm just looking for something different. Something different. And then, there it was in the corner of the lighting department, in a darkened corner. There it was. And I was strangely drawn to it. There was about about seven of them hanging on the walls. Thomas Kincaid pictures. Now, you can Google Thomas Kincaid, and he does. Uh, they, they sell his pictures all over the place. There's a shop down in Chiswick that sells Thomas Kincaid pictures. They call them Paintings with Light. And because he puts splashes of white in there so it can make the house look alive. And they're, they're nice if, if you like that kind of thing. To be honest with you, I'm not particularly fussed about his pictures. I'm not, I'm not the, you know, the Americans like that kind of thing, but I, I don't like anything too chocolate boxy. But because I was looking for something different for Christmas, I was strangely drawn to these pictures, some of which were Thomas Kincaid's and some were just Santa Claus or something like that. And you look at it and it's a tapestry. It's obviously printed on, you know, tapestry and it comes with a, a runner at the top. It's probably about, I don't know, four feet across. Might be a little bit less than that. And about two feet deep. And this particular one that I've bought is a street scene in America in winter with big, tall, clapperboard-type houses on one side and a tree on the other with some other houses and a car in the road and everything else. But what makes it different is that it's got lots and lots of little lights in it. Not little LEDs. No, fibre-optic lights. So in the house window... The, the lights twinkle, so it makes it look as though there's people in... It's ever so clever. It's ever so clever. And they had one on uh, on Amazon. If you just type in Thomas Kincaid pictures of light on Amazon, you can see what some of the... Some of the pictures are a bit naff. My one is is particularly is particularly brilliant, because I, I, I chose carefully. I, I chose very carefully just to have a... Just to sort of see which one looked the most believable. Which one, you know, looked... Look the nicest. They are pictures... Uh, wait a minute, there's all sorts of... Thomas Kincaid, picture of Jesus. How lovely. <laughs> I like that idea. So, uh, they are picture lights. All these pictures here... Uh, he does these. So he puts lights in the window. This isn't an illuminated one 
with the little fibre optic lights. But that that's the sort of picture that he does. But imagine that picture there, Sam, with snow. Um, and and it, it just takes on a complete new minute. Which one have I got? See, look, on that snow one there... Sorry, I'm talking to myself here. I'm so, so ignoring you. It's it's very pretty. Imagine that there, and you had that tree with little lights on, and the windows have little lights in, which twinkle. It comes to life. So I urge you to go and look at them, because, it, I mean, in fact, as I was standing there staring, thinking, I know I'm going to buy one. It was £50, £49.99, which is 50 quid, give or take. And I thought, I know I'm going to buy one. It was just deciding which one I was going to buy. And eventually, another couple came up, and he was standing there, and he said to his wife, that's really nice. I thought, you're not buying the one I like. My one was beautiful. And I haven't, I haven't seen any like it. My, mine's sort of this, this road in America. And it's just wonderful. It really is nice. I mean, I, I had to decide. I didn't want one that just had a Christmas tree on it, because I thought that was a bit dull. But it comes with a pole, which you put through it, and you can hang it up on the wall. And the good thing is, it's battery-operated. It's battery-operated. And all you do is you put three AAA batteries in. No, AA batteries, sorry. AA. I was counting them. AAA. No, it's three AAs in there. And, uh, and that's it. So there's no mains electricity. So it's quite a nice thing, actually. Quite a nice, quite a nice thing to have. And then I go to Garson's. They've got the same things, but different pictures again. And I haven't actually taken mine out of the box, because I've got to work out where I can hang the blooming thing bit difficult. Kevin, the web-footed milkman, says, can you remind cyclists that lights are not an optional extra? Driving around London all night, I have them appear from nowhere, dressed all in black, riding a bike with no lights, and when I narrowly miss them, they have a go at me like it's my fault. Oh, and only good weather in your forecast today, please. Thank you. I haven't actually checked the weather for today. I'm embarrassed to to tell you that it it might be... Because yesterday was very odd, wasn't it? It rained a bit... And, and then it didn't. And I've obviously got something in my windscreen washers that it's horrible. I don't know what it makes. A terrible mess on the windscreen. So I need to get that all cleared out, put something else in. Today, here we go. Brace yourselves. Cloudy with outbreaks of rain. Perhaps heavy for a time throughout the morning. Is it raining out there now? Is it raining? I can't see any rain as such. You know, very shortly, because I have a picture on the front of the Express today of snow. And this is in County Durham. Snow has landed there. I love snow. Rubbish for driving in. Rubbish for walking in on the pavements. But it's so pretty when it comes down. It's so, so pretty. Uh, Heavy for a time, the rain. Possibly brightening up for a time in the afternoon. Mild and windy. Currently nine degrees. So that's why it's a bit this morning. Probably onesie weather. Uh, Maximum 14 degrees. Cloudy tonight. Further rain into the night. Tomorrow, cloudy and wet. Heavy outbreaks of rain to the southeast, becoming mainly dry by the afternoon. The high 11 degrees. Friday, Saturday, sunny spells, but windy at times with showers. Sunday, chilly night, cloudy, further rain on Sunday. Basically, it's just wet. We'll sort of draw too, too fine a point on it, but it is just going to be, I'm afraid, very wet for you. So take your umbrellas and then you will be OK. 84850, Stephen LBC. Dot.co.uk. A bit of indigestion there. Thank you very much indeed. I'm sure we needed that one. So, if you are a cyclist, lights are not an option. It's illegal to ride on the pavement. It's illegal to ride without lights. Uh, another one here. Uh, have you seen the TV ad where it's raining sprouts? No. What kind of person loses his boarding pass? Well, people do. It's like getting on a bus and people go, oh, I can't find my, my Oyster card. You've been standing at the bus stop for ten minutes. Put it in your pocket. Stupid people. Uh, you have to pay to go to the toilet on Ryanair, do you? I don't. I think I didn't think that you had to on that one. I, th- I think they might as well just uh, just introduce 
you know, hanging straps and you just stand there and sort of take pot luck. Uh, 84850. It's the false security of blue bike lanes and left-turning lorries with no sidebars that don't help cyclists stay alive. Need education to stay away from both and cycle with more awareness. Please educate, don't slag us off. Well, God knows, if you can't ride a bicycle by now, you don't deserve to be even writing. I'm surprised you actually found the ability to write. If you can't ride a bicycle and observe the highway code. Did you do a cycling proficiency test? Why should you have to educate somebody about riding a bicycle? It's supposed to be common sense. Quite clearly not. Uh, Rupert says, would you and Christo like to join us in Boxershort for the Firefighters New Year calendar? No, thank you. You know what, listen, you don't want to see, I'm afraid, Christo or myself in Boxershorts. Believe you me, even the, even the producer's feeling slightly queasy at this one, I'm afraid. So, uh, definitely, definitely. 84850, uh Another one here. And uh, it says here, uh, this is somebody talking about the front page of the paper with the snow, actually, with the snow. And so, it's coming down. They say, are we going to have a really bad white winter this year? And the answer is, I think it's going to be really, really bad. I think it's going to be absolutely appalling. I think this year is going to be the worst winter, you know, that, that you've ever had, ever had. I think it's going to be very, very cold this year. Uh, 84850, uk. Nina says, buy a thermos and make your own coffee like in the olden days. I know. seems It's, a, it's just a bit of a rip-off, isn't it, really? It's just a bit of a rip-off. Uh, 84850.co.uk. Uh, Bill says, can we come around your house and have a look at the picture? No, just go to the garden centre. You know, just go to the garden centre. And uh, once, once you get to the garden centre, you can have a look at them. Actually, you can find them on Amazon. Just type in Thomas Kincaid. Uh, what would you put in on that? Fibre optic pictures. Put, put that in on Amazon and just see if we can find them and, and just sort of see if we can find the things to look at. They're because I see if I can find my one. So far, I've, the only one time I've found it is uh, in Notcuts. They didn't have it at, at Garston's. They've got a huge Christmas department. Absolutely. What's, uh, what's Anne Whittacombe droning on today? Oh, she's talking about the... Uh, inhuman slaughter of stray dogs. I saw the most awful, awful... Th- oh, that's pretty. That's pretty. Oh, that's, is that, that's what it looks like. This is the... Uh, just t- trying to demonstrate to the producer. That's what it looks like. It's got all these lights all over the place. Does it appeal to you or not, do you think? No, you don't like that. You don't do Christmas, do you, really? Do you do Christmas? Do you have a tree? No? Yeah. Yeah, you have, at the family home, but you're not, not in... No, a, real, a real tree. Oh, right, you cut something down from your extensive plantation and move it... Oh, how lovely. That's lovely, isn't it? It comes from Cambridge. And <laughs> I always love a tree. But these pictures are ever so pretty. They're just, they're just quite nice, actually. I saw this horrendous thing. If you're a dog lover, put your fingers in your ears. Oh, my God, what earth was that? There's obviously a ghost in this building. All of a sudden, just part of the telephone fell off on the floor. <laughs> Very strange. Obviously, spook. Of course, if, if Sally Morgan was here... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There'd be spirits in here. Only, only alcohol, I suspect. But, um, yes, so put your fingers in your ears if you're a dog lover. You won't like this at all. They were doing a, a thing on AOL yesterday. I, I turned on, checked some emails, and there is uh, horrific pictures of a group of villagers in China where it is not illegal to kill dogs. It is not illegal. This farmer had two dogs, and something obviously happened. I can't remember exactly what it was, where the dogs either got out into the village. Anyway, the policeman shot them, but they weren't dead. So the villagers waded in with spades and shovels 
and literally battered these poor dogs to death. I mean, no logical reason. I mean, I would have taken them out and blown their heads off. You know, they're, they're the stupidest people I've ever seen. It was so horrendous, so horrendous, that this poor dog must have thought, what in God's name is going on? But it's not illegal over there. They, they're, they're allowed to abuse animals, and that's exactly what they did. But the next thing, keep fingers in ears, the next thing was even more horrendous, where it showed you inside a Chinese puppy farm and cat farm where they breed the dogs, or they collect them off the streets, and they take their fur away to make boots, which they sell in markets in this country. You're wearing dead dog or dead cat. People go, oh, isn't it lovely? It's a dead animal. It's a dead animal. And the horrendous thing is that they strip the fur off these animals while they're alive. The animal, you know, they literally just take a knife and they start cutting the fur away because they want it to be all in one piece. And unfortunately, they've got these pictures on the the website. I was so heartily sick of it. You know, you sort of think, how inhumane can you be? And the answer is very. And and these things are still breathing, but they've stripped all the fur off from its face, everything. It's just horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. And you think to yourself, I just just don't know what you would do with with somebody like that at all. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, oh, it's Garson's, is it? It's very good, though. Very good. Somebody says cyclists don't care about how they ride. We spent nearly £6,000 on each lorry for safety features for cyclists and the lorry driver's safety, but for the stupid cyclists who can't read labels, and there would be quite a number of people, I should imagine, uh, they ignore the warning sirens. They play their iPods. Well, I've seen people sitting in lorries. I've seen people sitting in lorries wearing headphones. I see cyclists. Of course, those are the ones I do shout... Uh, Abuse at, which, which is always very good, actually. Uh, 84850. Somebody says, Costco must love it when they, when they see you coming. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There's millions of us are members of Costco, Les. You must grow up and come into the real world, dear. It's not my fault you're a bit sad and lonely. You must, you'd love it. Actually, no, you wouldn't because you couldn't afford it. But uh, loads of us go there every day to Costco. And I didn't buy it in Costco, incidentally. You mustn't be jealous. It's awful when, when you come over as jealous. You know, and it's it's a bit sad. You know, it's not your fault you're lonely. Not for, your fault you haven't got any friends. But, uh, you know, try and, try and look at yourself in the mirror and realise that, you know, there are happy things out there. It's just that you're not one of them. 14 to 5. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. This is uh, the programme that everybody comes awake for. And it's only 11 minutes to 5, so don't don't worry about it. Too much. Uh, Steve, I have a four-month-old poppy. Is it now safe? Puppy. Sorry, not poppy. Is it safe to take my fingers out of my ears yet? Yeah, it's safe now. We don't, we're not going to do any more horrible dog stories. It was just so horrendous. You wanted to, you know, these people stood around laughing in China when they were doing that despicable act, I'm afraid. Uh, Jag, the hard-working postman, says, as a keen cyclist who follows the highway code fully, nothing annoys me more than silly cyclists. I had one earlier who told me I didn't have to stop at a red light. And then jumped it. There was a small part of me who would have liked him to get run over. I know, I do see people. In fact, we did have a serious accident in Twickenham about six, nine months ago, uh, just opposite Sandy's, where a cyclist jumped lights and a car hit him coming the opposite direction. You think, well, you deserve it. It's your own fault if you're stupid enough to jump red lights. That's your own problem, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850steve@lbc.co.uk. Um... And uh, Robin Luton says, I'd like to put a couple of these Chinese killers in a room with my two security-trained German shepherds. 
It's just, what well, I tell you what, I remember seeing... Th- oh, sorry, cat lovers, put your fingers in your ears. So- sorry about this. I don't like doing these stories, but it highlights just how cruel some people get... In fact, two th- animal lovers, put your fingers in your ears. There's a story that came up the other day on the news of a little school. Lots of little kids. And what have they got in their school? They've got two pet ducks. Did you read this story? Oh, this is all... Keep, keep your fingers in your ears if you don't want to hear a, a la-la-la-la. Make the nasty man go away. And they had two pet ducks. Two 12-year-old kids were seen uh, running around in the playground near to where the ducks were. When the kids went back later in the day, both ducks had been beheaded and their heads had gone. And so they were just left the, the lifeless... I mean, I, it, first of all, when I read it, I thought, 12-year-olds, what sort of pond life at 12 years old, could possibly do that to a duck. I mean, I, don't, I just can't get my head around that kind of thing at all. I couldn't understand why and what sort of families they come from. Possibly the lowest scummy family you could ever find. And so they cut the heads off and they took the heads with them. And I just couldn't understand why, why anybody could ever do that to an animal that, that, you know, thinks, oh, you know, being nice and friendly and all this kind of stuff. It was like, when I watched that film, Gorillas in the Mist, with Sigourney Weaver, everyone went, oh, isn't it a great film? I went, no. I thought it was the most dreadful film, because what she did, she went to uh, a part of the world and she befriended gorillas. So she sat there and she befriended them and she knew and she wrote about them, which is great. But unfortunately, the gorillas, who up until that time had been very wary of human beings, all of a sudden started trusting human beings, only to realise that there were many people going out there who were killing gorillas because they were allowed to get that close to them. And they found all sorts. I think one of the gorillas that she befriended ended up being a hat stand or something. They just cut its feet off and made them into hat stands. And you think, oh, dear God. And two 12-year-old kids who could possibly do that to two ducks, which were which were tame ducks at the school. I mean, you know, you want to take their parents into court and have them all locked up. They're quite clearly too stupid to be alive. Really terrible. 84850, steve at The other thing, fingers and ears still, pussycat story. In China, they have cat restaurants. That's what they do. In the kitchen, whereas, you know, here we have the freezer, open it up, take out a steak. Over there, cats in cages, kittens in cages, because they eat them. They don't, they, they, they eat, if it moves, it's edible. Snake, scorpion, tarantula, terrapins, cat, dog, they don't care. It's food. And they take these little kittens, fingers and ears, and they put them into boiling water while they're alive. They don't stun them or anything, just put them into boiling water, take them out. The thing, of course, doesn't know what's going on. And then they skin it, they take all the fur off, and then it goes into hot oil. And they, I mean, it's just unbelievable, the cruelty. I think I might become vegetarian, actually. I've depressed myself this morning. Uh, 84850, Um Jeff says, some people still on mobiles at the wheel need to be some kind of scrambler. Oh, well, I, I really want one of those things where you somebody's on, on the train, and there's always somebody, isn't there, speaking on their phone. You think, is it really that important? Is your life really that shallow that you've got to talk to somebody? You know, I see women pushing prams down the high street with a phone on their shoulder like that, talking on the phone. And you think, is it really that important, dear, or are you that shallow? Are you talking to Samaritans or something? I don't know. I don't know. But I'd love to have a jammer. So they go on the phone, and you push your little button. You aim, aim the little machine. You push the little button, and all of a sudden you go, and it just takes the phone out. That would be a lovely idea. I do, I, I, I quite fancy that idea, actually. I was reading Kevin O'Sullivan's column over the weekend in the Sunday Mirror. And uh, he, he talks about being beaten into obscurity. And he says, back in the 1980s, BBC bosses had no idea what to do with their expensive signing, Selena Scott. 
The former News at 10 star had quit BBC Breakfast Time, but was still on a small fortune, despite having no programmes to present. So then the top man, Michael Grade, came up with Scott Free, an underwhelming series in which Selena aimlessly ambled around Britain for no particular reason. Fast forward 27 years to 2013, and Daybreak Disaster, Christine, how are you, bleakly, launches her new ITV travelogue of Off the Beaten Track. Bit like her career, he says. Ring any bells? It does. They don't know what to do with her. She's a hopeless presenter. Well, she's not hopeless, but she's just not... She just has no warmth. It's all false. She thinks, you know, it's all teeth and things like that. A bit like Holly Willabooby. Um, and so she thinks that what she's doing is good presenting, whereas she was hopeless on the one show. Uh, by the time they put them on to daybreak, the last thing you want to wake up in the morning to is that dreary twosome. We were sitting there mumbling away, like something like that. And she was going, hiya, hiya. And we're all thinking, God, they're rubbish. And luckily, the audience dropped away. All came to LBC, where, of course, they're getting a much better deal in life. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, somebody says, uh, what you should really do is... Uh, is uh, create a 2014 calendar with other LBC presenters for charity wearing onesies, with December being a group photo. I'd buy it. Oh dear, I'm sure about that. I, I don't think I could actually seriously wear a onesie. Having discovered there's people around here who've got them. Have you got a onesie? So, have you got pyjamas? You've got pyjamas. You've got a dressing gown? You don't have a dressing gown? Oh, gosh. But what would you walk around the house with on, on your day off? What do you do? Just pyjamas? Oh, right. Oh, how funny. I thought you'd have a dressing gown. Rupert Barty's got a lovely dressing gown. He used to have a dressing gown. Funny, you used to have one, you don't have one, you just sort of gave it up for Lent or something. Oh, you moved and left it. Oh, that was lovely, wasn't it? Apparently, one of the other blokes um, doing the AP tonight, he pinched one from a hotel. He pit- Joe pinched a dressing gown from a hotel. What, what, what the hotels do in Vegas, they say, if you want to take the dressing gown, we'll charge $25 to your, to your account, because they were sick to death of people nicking the stuff. I used to go into the bathroom every time I used to check into a hotel and just see what goodies there were in there. You know, if there was a sewing kit or a free a free shower hat or something like that, you take it and you pack it. You never use it. You never do it at all, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, 84850, uh One here says, the, the dog issue is also only a problem of the owners. Having a dog is a great responsibility. You've got to invest in uh, time and train them. I think some owners think they're animated toys and then get shocked when they behave like an animal. This is the sad case of the little girl who was mauled to death and the mother ended up having to stab it to death. It came from a rescue home and she was told it was good with children. But then it might be, we had that case a while ago of a girl who goes next door. She's eating a meat pie in front of three dangerous dogs. And quite clearly the dogs were jumping up at her to get the meat pie. All they can smell is food. You've got food. Why have we not got food? And so she was attacked and she died as well. I mean, how many more children? How many more children? The, the, the answer is as many as you want, because as long as people are stupid over their dogs and they don't look after them properly and they don't train them, you're going to have disasters waiting to happen. Stevie says, completely barbaric. I've seen these animal cruelty movies. I've very little time for China. Barely civilised this race. I mean, it's just, well, that's what they do. But I just can't understand why you could be so, you know, I can understand using cat fur and dog fur. I mean, I, I, can, I can understand that because that's what they've got a lot of. But I can't understand why you, you, you could ever kill something without stunning it first. I mean, that's just, you'd never get away with that in this country, would you? I don't know. Tony says, uh, don't you just hate it when a cyclist mounts the curb at traffic lights and thinks it's OK? Good job they don't hear the verbal abuse I give them, because they normally have earphones in. Uh, don't we boil lobster alive, says Mark. 
Same outcome, just not as cute. Yes, well, when they say lobsters scream, they don't. It's the air coming out the shell, isn't it? But I don't eat lobster. Not for any reason that they put them in there. Uh, that they put them in boiling water, because I think it kills them quite quickly. It's like crabs, isn't it? You know, in the, in the fish shop. They've always got them in the window of Sandy's. They've got lobsters and crabs, and they can dress things. I'm assuming that they, they cook them there. I don't, I don't know how it works, but I, I can't eat stuff like that. I don't know why. I've had crab paste before. I've said I've had crab paste, but I've never actually bought a cooked crab. I'm going to walk past there later on today, and they're going, Steve, we've got a nice crab for I couldn't eat it. I wouldn't know what to do with it. I couldn't eat lobster. I mean, I've seen people. I saw Keith Floyd on the television a couple of weeks ago, and he had a, a cooked lobster in this place. And as he's walking along, he broke off the leg, and the meat came out, and he was eating the meat out of it. I couldn't do that. Have you eaten lobster? No, so I've never eaten lobster. It, it just doesn't appeal to me. I know that in some restaurants they do a huge seafood platter, and I sort of thought, that's nice, seafood platter. I thought, I couldn't eat it. I could, if it had scampi and fish fingers on there, I'd be all right, or sort of fish goujons. I quite like that, but uh, the rest of it, no, I'm afraid. Definitely not. But we do boil lobsters, you're quite right, and they are alive. But I'm led to believe that they, uh, they sort of go pretty quickly. I think they just sort of go into deep, deep sleep. Well, boiling hot deep sleep, I suppose. I saw it in San Francisco. They had them on the top of Pier 73 or whatever it was, and then they just emptied them into the water and they sort of cooked them, because people like lobster. <laughs> Not for me, I'm afraid. Coming up to the news at five o'clock, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. Uh, still to come, the woman who stole Christmas. Yes, another thief. Go to prison, stay in prison, do not pass go, don't ever come out again. News at five is next. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's four minutes past five. So here's the woman who stole Christmas. She's a tax worker, Ruth Kevin. Ruth Kevin. She's 58. She's, uh, well, she's just a common thief. It doesn't matter whether she worked for the tax office. It doesn't matter where she works. She's a thieving little tow rag. And what she did, she ran the Staff Christmas Savings Club at Southend Tax Office in Essex. Basildon Crown Court heard. But Kevan began urging members to invest more, promising fake interest rates of up to 14.5%. 40 people lost retirement, wedding and even redundancy funds. She was rumbled when tax inspectors checked her personal account, jailing her for two and a half years. You thieving little toe rag. How much did she steal? £165,000. Watch her in prison. She'll nick. She'll take the bars and everything. Horrible old bag. And what did she do? She didn't, I could understand if somebody stole from the rich to give to the poor, like a Robin Hood. No, she blew it on clothes. Should have had a facelift, actually. Would have been a lot better. And she went on holidays, trips to Scotland to see the rugby. All the time, she'd thieved off people who trusted her. That must really gall, mustn't it, if you were one of those people in her saving club. The saving club was saving her. I've yet to find out about the man in the onesie the other day collecting fraudulently in Twickenham. So be very careful. See anybody dressed up in... Anybody who's got a red bucket, which you can buy on eBay. I believe these red collecting buckets are available anywhere. You could just buy them for about £2.50, somebody told me. And you just print something off, and then you just stick it in just down outside there, and people give you money. Rugby day in Twickenham, we have no end of people collecting... And you've got no idea what they're collecting for. They print up fake little badges and they just stand there collecting. Girls sometimes do it. Elders, all sorts of people do it. All sorts of people do it. It's, it's a big racket and nobody ever checks them. They sometimes do it under the very noses of the police. 
Because the police have got far too many, <coughs> excuse me, other things, oh dear, cough, far, far too many other things to, uh, to worry about. Uh, Karen says, uh, I've just had a look at the pictures, they're lovely. They look better with the LED, not the LED lights, the fibre optic lights. It, it re- they really are ever so pretty. Great talking point. Either. If you've got £50, then it's, it's fine. It's great. In 1961, says Richard, I started going to La Ronde Coffee Bar in Rygate, where a cup of coffee cost a shilling. And we made it last a very long time. You could buy 20 cigarettes for less than three shillings. So I suppose three pounds a day for coffee is basically relative. It's outrageous, isn't it? Three pounds for a cup of coffee. So if, so if, you, so if there's four of you going out, and you go, I'll get the coffee, 12 pounds. <laughs> I don't think so. Not surprised people are staying in more and more. Much cheaper. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, Costa and Starbucks will never get my custom, says Trevor. One of our local coffee shops is offering their staff discount to all poppy sellers. Can't see the big chains doing that. No. Ridiculous, isn't it? Actually, I was looking at my, my little metal poppy the other day, and because uh, there's been this argument over should you wear the leaf at 11 o'clock? And the answer is, there's no hard and fast rules. I mean, it's a bit stupid that anybody would even sort of worry about anything like that. But on the little metal poppy, the leaf is definitely at 11 o'clock, I'm telling you now. And that's uh, made for the British Legion, as you know who I support and uh, raise money for them by giving stuff and uh, die in the doctor's surgery. I give her lots of raffle prizes. In fact, she's had loads of stuff over the years. So anybody who'd ever complain about, you know, not wearing the leaf at this sort of... Stupid people, honestly. You'd have to be barking mad, wouldn't you, really, I suppose, to worry about that kind of thing. Uh, we can only hope these people in the puppy farm in China will suffer in their afterlife, says Paul in Highgate. Well, if there is a god... It brings up that old question, doesn't it? If there is a God, why does he allow two 12-year-olds to go and cut two ducks' heads off? Oops, sorry, should have warned you about fingers and ears. You know, why does he allow people to skin animals alive? If there is a God. All this rubbish that they give you, all this guff about, oh, he's testing us. I don't want to be tested anymore, thank you very much indeed. I want to see some, you know, the bolt of lightning coming down. Uh, Ian says, uh, forecasting a harsh winter... Thank goodness those nice guys at the electric and gas companies managed to get in the recent price rises. Do you think they knew? Well, that's, what the, that's the best time to do it. You know that in the winter time. Do you know what? I've still not put my heating on. I've still not put the heating on. And in fact, I got my best night's sleep last night. I went to bed at about half past seven. Didn't put the heating on. Warm as toast under my duvet. Absolutely loved it. Still not going to buy a onesie, though quite horrified that certain people around here have actually got the blooming things. Uh, Andrew says we should prosecute vigorously. All idiot cyclists who don't wear helmets, jump lights and crossings, don't have lights or ride on the pavement. These morons deserve it when they cause their own accidents. Oh, and how about road tax and insurance? We car drivers have to pay through the nose and be road legal. Why not these two-wheeled hooligans? Well, I don't understand why they don't have insurance. I would have thought that would have been a good thing to have. I think lights should be compulsory. And I, well, I think they are supposed to be compulsory. They've got them on the Boris bikes. They're on all the time, whether it's day or night. It's just it built into it. So why can't they make bicycles now that have actually got the lights built in? I think it should be totally illegal for anybody wearing headphones cycling through London. I mean, that just sho- shows what a complete moron you would have to be. A calendar sounds like a great idea, says Martin in Port Talbot. But if you didn't want to see you, if you didn't want us to see you in a onesie, why don't you hide behind Nick Ferrari? Well, we get quite a few of us behind Nick Ferrari, I have to, have to tell you. <laughs> uh, birthday wishes and cards, says little Julie, for yesterday. Hope you had a, a great day. It's always exciting. I, th- I think, though, when you have birthdays, it's, it's only when you're younger that they actually mean more, don't they? 
I think when you when you when you're a young person, you get excited about the birthday cards arriving on the mat, and you think, "Oh, have I got birthday cards?" I love, and I feel sorry for anybody who's got birthdays in December, especially if you're on the 25th of December, because you kind of lose out. You know, you should really get it changed by deed poll or something. Uh, did you see the photos of Victoria and Brooklyn? He stood in for his dad at an event and definitely see Colin doing a fitness video, says Noreen. Yes, I mean, Brooklyn just looks embarrassed. Here's, here's Mummy doing one of her pouty faces, which, doesn't, which just makes her look a bit gormless, I'm afraid. And he looks terribly embarrassed because his father couldn't go because his father was off earning some money elsewhere. I don't think they spend very much time together at all. I think he just pops back for a photo opportunity. Janice is off to Liverpool. Amazing place. Anyone of a certain age will love all the 60s nostalgia. And off to see the film we've all been talking about today. Kleenex and earplugs at the ready. Why is it so loud? I don't know. I don't know. And uh, we have two birthdays to uh, to celebrate, says Paul in Manchester. Uh, he says, uh, happy birthday to my wonderful dad, Bill. Love from me, sister Yvonne, brother Derek, and assorted grand and great-grandchildren. All that and still only 39, Bill. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. <laughs> I might make it a bit older, actually. A little bit older. Uh, also, best wishes to Ron. That's Marion from Broxbourne's Better Half, who also celebrates today. As you know, neither of these gentlemen have had the best time in their last 12 months. Both plodding on, thanks to all the usual suspects for their love and support, and to you for being there. There we go. That's what we like. We're always here. Even when we're not here, we're here. Which is good. I forget, oh, we've got to do the uh, In Conversation for this week. Who have we got this weekend? It's Matt... Matthew Kelly and Chris Tarrant. Oh, great. Oh, great. By the way, I look forward to talking to them. I've done it already, haven't I? Cool. Me trying to pretend. No, so Chris Tarrant and Matthew Kelly. Oh, that's nice. I'll tell you who I'm doing on Friday. I'm doing Hugh, Hugh Bonneville from Downton, who, of course, you will remember, those people who went, came to my magic show at the Magic Circle. Was it last year? I think it was last year. Somebody said Hugh Bonneville's in the audience. I, didn't, I don't like to... You know, if there's somebody famous there, I don't like to do that. I went into a, a club once and there was a famous person there and the DJ spotted him and went, oh, look, over there, so-and-so, so-and-so. He turned around with his party and walked straight back out again. Because you don't want to be, you know, I mean, I get that all the time. Yeah. Oh, look, Steve Allen's in the house. Oh, God, again. <laughs> 84850, steve at uk. Um... Steve, you were the one ranting about the leaf being at 11 o'clock. No, it's supposed to be at 11 o'clock. I don't care whether it's official or whether it's not official. It's supposed to be because it's the 11th hour of the 11th... The 11th day... The 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. And that's, and that's why it's at 11 o'clock. And they've actually got it on their own poppy, the British Legion. It's actually on the little metal poppy. It's at 11 o'clock. If it didn't make any difference, why they put it at 11? And the reason is it's significant... And I'd, a lot of the... If you notice now, since we've mentioned it last week, a lot of the television presenters have taken off the leaf... Because they don't know how to put it on anyway. They just some some makeup girl will come and say, oh, "Put put your poppy on." When we used to do it on television, they just got a box of them. They just stick them on people who've turned up without poppies. Because some people don't turn up with with poppies. Eight four eight five zero stevenlbc dot co dot uk have a policy not to give to bucket people or beggars. Best to give a small amount by direct debit of my choice and avoid chuggers. I never ever give to chuggers and I tell them they're chuggers I go you're fraudulent how much are you earning an hour 10 quid an hour for standing there persuading people to sign up you should be embarrassed and disgraced humiliated in public I hate chuggers hate them don't ever give information to people on the streets you'd be stupid to hand over your credit card details or any bank details at all to these people you don't know them from Adam they're just going to put a coloured anorak on with sort of save the whale or something 
That doesn't mean that you know them or they're trustworthy. They're earning ten quid an hour. They're probably earning more than you. More than the people who work in the Starbucks coffee and the Costa coffee per hour. That's what they get for chugging, because they're signing up lots and lots of people. So I never give to chuggers. You shouldn't either. Ever, ever. Uh, Christmas lights have gone up, says Sue Ann in Stockwell. TV, uh, Steve, most of the TV newsreaders wear their poppy with a leaf removed. I know, because it became too embarrassing. They didn't know what to do with it. Most of them just obviously put it on and couldn't care less. Perhaps they just think it's a bit of foliage, a bit of decoration. But there you go. Many cyclists who give a... can have third-party insurance by being a member of the London Cycling Campaign. Comes with membership. Well, that's good, actually. That's good. If they've got insurance, fantastic. But I, th- I think most people don't have insurance. And, th- and they, wouldn't even, they wouldn't even worry about that, I'm afraid. Why would they, why would they have insurance? Most of them don't, uh, don't adhere to the road. Few people do. Few people do. I see more and more people now. But if I see somebody jumping the lights in Twickenham, they get a mouthful. And I mean they get a mouthful. I always go, colour blind, are we? And they generally turn around. Sometimes women. I saw a whole family a short while ago going over. Mother, father and two kids on bikes, straight over red lights. I did want to shout an obscenity, but unfortunately because there were children there, I didn't, I'm afraid. Uh, Eva says, as far as I know, there are no Starbucks in Poland, but McDonald's is paying around five quid an hour. Wow. Five pounds an hour. You see, over here, you can probably earn more than that. I would think I'd probably earn more than that for going into Poundland. I assume. I don't know, but it might be. Quarter past five. Some poor soul's written in who quite clearly doesn't understand anything at all and said, as the metal poppy could be worn at any angle, how do you work out if the leaf is at 11 o'clock? Because it's got the date printed on the bottom of it. The date, I mean, what do you do? Do you print, print the date to one side, the year to one side? God, blimey, you are thick. Didn't realise somebody was that thick. Do you vote? Probably not allowed to, are you, really? No. That's why it's got the year 2013 on the bottom of the poppy and the leaf's at 11 o'clock. It's quite simple. You don't have to be a, an intelligent person, which quite clearly you're not, to work that one out. 5.20, Nick Ferrari and the team this morning. Cyclists again. As the ninth cyclist dies on London's roads, Nick will be asking, how can we stop any more tragedies like that happening again? The answer, what would be the answer? How can you stop that happening? Could you put cameras up? Could you have more police on the streets? Could you have, I don't know, you're never going to stop that. You're always going to get the rogue cyclists. You're always going to get the people who are the delivery cyclists. Who just, they cycle on pavements, they cycle through, they cycle through everywhere. You get them cycling through the middle of Kingston, and there's big signs up saying, do not cycle. This is a pedestrian way, and cyclists go there. I've never seen anybody stop them. Occasionally, we have the uh, pavement cycle police in Twickenham. Occasionally. And they stop people. They find them 75 quid, I think. And uh, I always laugh when that happens. I think that's quite good. I see people go, you're not allowed to cycle on the pavement. If anybody rings a bell behind me, I stoically don't move. I don't move. I stay there until they go, excuse me. And I go, go on the road. The road is for you. Go away. Silly little girls. Uh, and, of course, the latest from the mayoral elections in New York with Nick tonight, uh, today. And can businesses afford to pay their staff the living wage? Not if you're Republican. Oliver Duff, editor of the I newspaper, is looking through the papers for this morning. Uh, they've uh, come up with Simon Cowell, who's going to call his new baby Simon. So, Simon, meet Simon. He actually can't, he can't think of any other names. He thinks that's it. Whether it, it, it actually happens like that, I don't know. Here is uh, former world's fattest man, Paul Mason, hi- having his first girlfriend oof, dear, for 28 years. Paul, who once weighed 70 stone. No, he didn't. It was proven on television. He, he made it up. He wasn't ever 70 stone at all, I'm afraid. He's smitten with an American called Rebecca Mountain. And uh, she's eight stone. 
Slight difference, actually. I should imagine making love. Must be like a giant wardrobe falling on you with a key in the lock. Can't be any different. Rebecca tracked him down after seeing a documentary. Oh, God, she's one of those. She's a loony. She's a, it's like the people who write to people on death row, those, those sad women who write to some convicted killer, go, I want to be your friend. So she saw a documentary, and she went, oh, I think I love you. <laughs> Dear. Perhaps she's one of these peculiar people who's into fatties. You do get people, don't you, who are into... So they're, ch- they're called chubby chasers. And they're into fat people. And you do get men who feed up their women till they become ginormous because they're into very, very fat people. Slightly worrying, isn't it? Slightly worrying. Lady Gaga has revealed she's a big fan of EastEnders. And uh, Britney Spears, because remember she was in the paper the other week and she said that she, uh, she loved Coronation Street. I watched Emmerdale the other day. They finally got an award after God knows how many years. Emmerdale finally got Best Soap because it is good. It is good. There's, there's some decent acting. Well, some of the acting's a bit ropey. But then in Coronation Street, some of the acting is pretty ropey. And in EastEnders, I don't know what's going on there. I haven't seen EastEnders for such a long time. There's nothing that would persuade me to watch EastEnders. I miss all the people who used to be there. I mean, the only good news yesterday was that Ian Beale gets tied up and thrown in the back of a van by Phil Mitchell. But then Ian Beale's always being tied up and thrown in the back of vans. He's, he's, he must be the most tortured soul in Walford. Poor little person. Uh, who's this? Uh, Broadchurch star Olivia Coleman will return as Detective Sergeant Ellie Miller in the crime drama next year. I never saw Broadchurch. Did you ever see Broadchurch? No, I didn't see that at all. It's a two-part drama. And, uh, oh, look, Eamon Holmes has signed a new five-year deal. Oh, that lovely. Well, we either had it as five years or eight years. So that's great. It's kept him at Sky, so he's well out of the way. So that's good news there. And uh, he's, uh, he presents the early morning show Sunrise. He told fans on Twitter, sometimes there's a time when you just know that it's right to move on, but this is not that time. So there you go. So he's, uh, he's staying for another, well, depending on which paper you read, either five years or eight years. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh. Apparently I've got a one here, says D. It's a, a buckley enamel poppy, but it's got no leaf, only a stem. I haven't seen a real poppy person this year. Oh, cracky, we've got loads of them around our way. Loads. Uh, P.S. I'd use Primark if there was one near me for cheap T-shirts, pyjamas. She says, time goes so fast when you're on, not being sycophantic. It's the truth. It does whiz through, doesn't it? Before, I mean, you know, we, we start the programme at four, and before you know where you are, we're going, it's half past six, we're back again tomorrow morning at the same time. Even the producer, he says to me, you know, I could sit here for another ten seconds at least, you know, at the end of the programme, because we then have to go and sit in a little room and record the podcast, and then we've got to record the links for the In Conversation, this Sunday, Chris Tarrant and Matthew Kelly. Which I'm very much looking forward to hearing again, because I can't remember what we talked about. I can only tell you that Chris Tarrant, you can't shut up. He's very, he kept saying, how many years have we been here now? How many years, Steve? Still doing it in the morning? I said, yes. We talk about we talk about radio, we talk about everything. We talk about everything, including his fishing programme, which runs on Fridays on Channel 4. He's never done a fishing programme before, and he loves it. Uh, so, what else do we have here? Oh, this is one from, uh, from Pete and his dog, Diva, in Hampton Hill. He says, you make my day. There you go, which is lovely. Uh, they should get a mouthful for jumping red lights. It's against the code. Boris seems to think further investment in blue paint superhighways will help the situation. It won't. Need more education on how to stay safe and not anger other road users, as far as I can see. Stop the blame culture and all get humbly on with our commuters safely as we can. We have a bloke in Twickenham who runs. 
he runs. He wears his little shorts and his little T-shirt and he runs, regardless of whether he knocks you over or not, he runs onto the station. And then, you'd think he'd run into London if he was that blooming good, but he runs up the hill. And you think, perhaps he's addicted. Perhaps he's addicted to running. And he runs up. We always laugh every day because he runs, runs down to the platform, then has to stand there waiting for the train. Come rain or shine, shorts and a T-shirt. Terrible. Another one here that says, uh, I'd rather give to chuggers than fraudulent bankers. No credit cards are taken now. Charities need chuggers due to lack of public aid. Are you serious? Have you seen how rich these charities are? You have a laugh, aren't you? They're seriously rich. Every time they have an appeal for something, they've got millions, hundreds of millions in the bank. Go check the accounts out. You don't need chuggers. They're just people who rip you off. Never, ever give money to chuggers. Never, ever hand over your personal bank details to somebody who's probably earning more money than you are. Hello. They're all actors. You know, they, they take them all. You see adverts sometimes in the Metro. People want it. They call it for charity fundraising. They're chuggers. They're chuggers. They're beggars. They jump in front of you. Hello, you've got five minutes. No, I haven't. Just two minutes. No, I haven't. Get out of the way before I knock you down. Very annoying people. A, uh, Graham says, did I just hear you say Eamon Holmes and fans in the same sentence? Yes, he, he, he twittered about the fact he was going to be there for the next 500 years. I mean, whether he lives that long, I don't know. If he keeps ballooning at that rate, he probably won't. But he seems to be coping so far, doesn't he? It must be quite a, an achievement nowadays. It's almost like a golden handshake. You know, it's going to see him out to retirement. If they signed him for, well, it depends. It's either five years or it's eight years. And one other thing I had, I'm pretty certain, when I was looking through it, I, uh, I read it as eight years. But there again, I'm not, uh, I'm not particularly good at uh, reading sometimes. Lou Reed's will has divided his estate between his wife, Laurie Anderson, his elderly mother and sister, which is good, which we quite like. Jonathan and Charlotte have had to pull out of a show because he's been diagnosed with acute depression. They were going to take part in the Royal British Legion Festival of Remembrance at the Royal Albert Hall, but now now not. He has spoken about self-harming before, and he's obviously gone back into that dark place. Uh, Bankrupt East Enderstar, I mentioned this, didn't I, earlier, Layla Morse assigned to appear on I'm a Celebrity. Does that mean she gives the money to to the tax office, or do you get to keep it? Uh, Nancy Delusional, still out on the town, a little bit sad. And a lot of people calling on Dave Myers to quit, do the decent thing. You can't dance, you're an idiot, uh, on uh, on the dancing programme. Now, where is this? I mean, that's typical, isn't it? You try and find a story that you ran for ages and ages, and I've just realised I think I bypassed it because I quickly turned it over after Jonathan and Charles. Jonathan and Charles. And I'm sure that the Eamon Holmes story, pretty certain, said that it was only going to... It was going to be for eight years. That was what they'd said, eight years. I shall find it a bit later on. Coming up to 29 minutes past, John Travolta's in the news as well. He's going to feature in my little extra programme later on, which is a free podcast. We have a free podcast and then a paid-for podcast. The free podcast is where we gently chide a few celebrities. It's always entertaining. I can't find that Eamon Holmes thing at all, which is ridiculous. Uh, 84850, uh Another one here says that EastEnders is shockingly bad now. They did a murder scene last week with the worst acting and writing I've ever seen. I haven't seen it for ages, so I couldn't even tell you what was going on. I, haven't, I don't know any of the storylines. I know that Peggy doesn't run the pub anymore. Ian Beale hasn't been pictured in his fish and chip shop for ages. And Dirty Den doesn't appear either. And that was probably the last time I watched it. I think the last time I watched it was when Barbara was, was running the pub. Get out of my pub! Everybody does that line. I don't know why. She doesn't sound like that at all. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Time now is 5.30.
LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Two big questions this morning. Firstly, will Boris doing little cycle lanes make the slightest difference in the capital? Not. And what was Peter Andre's big announcement yesterday? Does anybody know what it was? He's retiring? Leaving the country? Going to Australia? No, I've had a peep out of him. And did anybody discover what Yuri Geller's stare into my eyes and something nice will happen at 8.30? Anybody discover what that was? No, nothing there at all. That went very quiet, didn't it? It's a bit like Most Haunted. Yvette Fielding does look like she's been Most Haunted. But Peter Andre's big announcement. No idea, Linda. Somebody needs to, to... I've got no idea what it was. I didn't... To be honest with you, I couldn't really care less either way. It can't be as, as big as his ego. Jimmy Savile. Uh, they found lots of notes now sent to BBC security staff, letting ladies in. And they've got one of them printed today in the mirror. And it says, BBC security friends, please admit the three ladies to my room. Tickets inside, tar, Jimmy Savile. And he did used to do a smiley face in his thing now. And and that's, they've actually got them. I mean, a, a BBC insider has said it perfectly illustrates the position of power that he had. Well, exactly. I mean, he had his own room and Broadmoor... He was allowed in, people fated him, he met the royal family, he did everything. That's why, I mean, it's a, it's a chummy note, but then I should imagine, it, it's on, um, on Stoke Mandeville paper. Critics claim bosses did nothing over five decades to avoid upsetting their big star, but he was a master of deceit. Yes, I mean, he was. I mean, I was always told years ago, and I've said, I've repeated this story countless times, that when we were in Fleet Street, there was a story during the rounds that they were doing him... And a telly star. And the reason that they didn't do Jimmy Savile was because of his links to the royal family. Apparently, in those days, it actually meant something. So that's that's why. That's why. It was it was the links to the royal family. They didn't want to embarrass the royal family, and in particular, Queen Mother, because of stuff that they'd uncovered about him. Watch, watch the Louis Theroux interview when Louis met Jimmy. It's a very, very telling very, very telling thing. It really is. Uh, Anne says, did you know if you're 16 and under, people can ride on the footpath or the pavement? No, you can't. No, you can't. I'm sorry. You really can't. I'm terribly sorry, but it's it's not legal. It might be if you're a little tiny person on a little tiny little child thing. I saw somebody the other day uh, in a Tesco supermarket. Their, their kiddie was on a little tricycle in the supermarket. I thought, how stupid is that? Absolutely ridiculous. So you, you can't, I'm afraid, if you're under 16 and 16 and under, ride on the pavement, as far as I know. Uh, haven't had Sky for five weeks, and I've so missed LBC, but I'm back on now. It's good to hear you again, says June, formerly of Dudley, now Hitchin in Hertfordshire. June in Orpington says, Poppy sellers are restricted on public highways due to changes to charity law a few years back. We can have our stall in Walnuts in Orpington, because it's private property. Boxes should all be in shops, and sellers will be on the street at the weekend. They've been on the streets around our way for the last week and a half, two weeks. Ages. All poppy sellers should be able to sell you their send, show you their permit. Well, I only have to look at them to realise. I mean, if it's a young person selling poppies, then then maybe. But uh, all the people round our way are people from the British Legion selling it, because we ha- we have the poppy factory. We have the poppy factory, so that's why. Still waiting to find out what Peter Andre's big announcement was. Please tell me he's decided to give up television, or they're not going to show that. Program, which is the sixty-minute makeover. It is. I mean, it's a wonderful idea. Perhaps they could build a house in an hour. Never, never sort of fathomed out why on Grand Designs it takes them so long. But Peter Andre apparently had an announcement. He's filmed this 60-minute makeover. Now, either it's not good enough to be shown or they're waiting for a time. But it was, it's, I thought it was filmed a while ago now. We, had, we did reports on this programme. But as yet, 
and I, I don't know, Paul in Manchester might have to help me out. Has it been shown anywhere? Has anybody seen it? Or are they looking at it going, oh, God, it's so awful. Not quite as bad as that review the other day for the new Sunday show on ITV, hosted by the lovely Stephen Mulhern. But it's, it's got a, an odd selection. It's got Nadia Sawala on, who we love, because she does cooking. She's doing it. Peter Andre. I mean, he's lame at the best of times. And Kay Adams from Loose Women who occasionally does Matthew Wright's programme when he can't be bothered to do it or he goes off to the jungle. I don't know. Mark in Bromley's 30 today. God, I'd give up now. Start wandering round uh, stonemasons trying to pick out a nice memorial. 30? God, we don't have people as old as that listening to this programme. <laughs> Tony says, wouldn't it be simple to ask for an address when purchasing a cycle like they do in purchasing a TV? Therefore, the ability to demand cyclists to pay a charge for using the road. I had to pay 140 quid to get my dent repaired caused by a thick-headed cyclist. I hate them. Yes, I see no... Re- there, there, there must be something that they can do. But then what do you do about the second-hand cycle market? You couldn't get somebody's name and address off them for that, could you? But you're right, when you go and buy a television... You have to give your name and address, and then they obviously match you up to the database. But I'm very good. I'm just too good, I'm afraid. I always buy, uh, always buy my licences. I'm very, very good. I see that Ant and Deck are looking to line their pockets. You know, it's a registered trademark, Ant and Deck, registered to, to them. And so they're doing their takeaway on tour. They've obviously decided that uh, earning £6 million each a year is not quite enough, so they want to go out there. So they're doing 16 dates, I think. It's a live spectacular featuring special guests. So for that read, any cheap old celebrity can be bothered to wander in. Probably for 250 quid. So it'll be most of the cast of The Only Way is Essex. They'll have to tell you who they are because you won't know them. And they've got amazing prizes. And as always, you could be part of the show. How thrilling. 16 shows. On, on some of the days, they've got two shows. A matinee and an evening show. I mean, they're going to be absolutely exhausted. Don't own, on, a, on a day where they've got matinee and evening show, don't go to the evening show. They'll be too worn out. Go to the matinee. Get, the, get them while they're fresh. Much, much later than that, and it's, and it's not good, I'm afraid. Mutant Rats. Daily Star are gone big on this one. They think they've come in from France. I don't know why we're ganging up on France again. But apparently we are. And they are immune to traditional legal poison. Well, shoot them then. Shoot them. They always say in London, never more than six feet away from a rat. So the producer's about ten feet away at the moment. So, but six feet... I'm assuming there are rats here. There must be... Well, not rats, probably mice. Mice are OK, aren't they? Not really. We don't like... We don't like those. We don't like spiders, actually, at all. Spiders and mice and anything that moves around. Uh, Neil says... Uh, was I hearing right? You spoke to Chris Tarrant about fishing. Yes, I spoke to Chris Tarrant about fishing. He says, did he get you interested having a go? No, he didn't. Listen, I'm surrounded by people who fish. Surrounded by you, my brother, Chris Tarrant. He's never, he's never done a programme on it. He says, my offer still stands to take you. You'll love it. He said, I took little Ellie and she caught 44 fish. Bentley might get a little bit muddy. And I hope Janice has a great time in Liverpool. Nothing on earth would ever get me out to go fishing. I, can, I, I cannot think of anything worse. I cannot think of anything worse at all. It just feels me. But I did talk to him about fishing, and of course I, I moaned about it all the time. And I, di- I did ask him one particular. I did say, "Isn't it just luck if you catch a fish?" Well, I thought he was going to hit me. <laughs> eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Weave everything in on the program. Well, as much as we can, actually. Uh, more on. Uh, oh, there's a strange man who's got a fixation with trucks, trucks, and he's a flasher. And he's only young. He's 24. His name's Samuel Broughton. And um, he had a fantasy about lorries. 
slightly worrying, isn't it? I've heard of people who have fantasies about this show, but never, never about lorries. Oh, that's oh, I like that. Somebody's Karen sent me a lovely little picture of a of a little. It's a very nice gift. It's a little Christmas scene in a little tin, and I'm assuming it either plays music or something turns around. I like the look of that. I'd love to know where that comes from. That would make me very happy, Karen, if you could tell me where that comes from. I like anything like that. Anything that's unusual for Christmas. And if you missed our Christmas exposure earlier on on what I think is my favourite item that I've bought for a while, because it combines everything. It combines Christmas and fibre optic lights and batteries. The combination of all three is, as far as I'm concerned, a winner. Peter says, sad to learn of another cyclist's death. Nick Ferrari, we were talking about this this morning. Nine now, nine have died. But the cyclists being killed are those on the road, not those on the pavement. Does your listener think that because the cyclist was killed... Uh, he did not have a helmet. Helmets are not the lifesaver drivers would think, since research causes drivers to pass closer to cyclists with helmets. He says headphones. He says, I see cab drivers and van drivers with them. So why no criticism of them? Well, it's because they're in... The, I mean, I don't think you're supposed to wear them. I don't think you're supposed to wear them. If you, I mean, I've seen cab drivers. Mind you, I saw a cab driver this morning, black cab driver, at uh, Trafalgar Square, stopping at a green traffic light to pick somebody up. Totally illegal. Totally illegal. But nobody's, nobody's going to bother with something like that at this time of the morning. Nobody cares. Uh, regarding Michael Ryan, says Paul, he had a quarter-page advert on the right-hand side of the Times offering £14.99 bargains. However, on the left-hand side, another damning half-page report. He says, I'd never travel with somebody who so blatantly tr- uh, gets such bad press. Stick him on the Gerald Ratner pile. Well, if he's not careful, he's going to be on it. He's going to be on it if he's not careful. Already profits down. He's lost about 30 million quid because, quite clearly, the public are voting with their feet. They've said, listen, if, if you think that, that little of it, we'll, we'll fly with somebody else. You know, you are, you are the consumer. You can decide who, you, uh, who you, you, you fly with. Nobody can make you fly with anybody. And, of course, the cheaper they make it, but then it's all the added extras. It's all the bits on there. I can understand why you have to pay for a sandwich and understand why you have to pay for a hot drink, because I think that's, that's quite right if they're offering a cheap flight. But they, they never turn out to be as cheap as you think. Oh, you can fly to Dublin for 10 quid or something. If it was only 10 quid, it'd be great. But you've got to pay for your luggage. So if you're actually travelling as a nudist, that could be the winning way. Lovely to meet Hugh Bonneville at the Magic Circle show. Nice guy, says little Julie. Yes, I can't wait to see him, actually. I wonder if he'll, he'll remember me. Of course he'll remember it was my show <laughs> I'm talking about. You must have heard about it on this uh, on this programme. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, one from uh, Maria. I've noticed supermarkets such as Sainsbury's have leather gloves, shoes made in China. I will not buy any animal products from China. The trouble is, so much comes from China. You go round all the, all the garden centres... Gardens and knot cuts and squires. And the boxes come from China with all the Christmas stuff in. They're all China. It's all made all over there. I don't think it's hardly anything that's made in this country. The majority is made in China. That's how they can sell it at that price. 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, earlier this year, says Tom, I was at a branch meeting of the Royal British Legion. Awards were handed out for for years served as poppy sellers all these getting awards for 30 or more years agreed the leaf at 11 o'clock it's only recently that the Royal British Legion have started to say it doesn't matter when the leaf was first added it was done to mark 11 otherwise why would they have bothered after selling them about the first 50 plus years without yes on the metal brooch the leaf is set at 11 o'clock you know otherwise why, why would they bother putting it on there you don't actually need the leaf on there it makes no difference at all quarter to six LBC 97.3 This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 
So he is 10 to 6, Paul Cooper, who's got the fruit and veg shop in Twickenham. Get your cooked beetroot today. His mum and dad, Mr and Mrs Cooper, are celebrating their wedding anniversary. And I don't know what wedding... I, I know that they've been married for 55 years today, Mr and Mrs Cooper... But I don't know what wedding anniversary that is. What is 55 years? The producer will find out now. He will go onto a website and find out. 55 years married. What does that equate to? Because that's, that's what you have to buy somebody, apparently, as a gift. So Mr and Mrs Cooper are celebrating 55 years. It'll be something odd, won't it? like lead or something peculiar. Wedding anniversary. Right, here we go. Let's find out what we think it is. Right, 55 is... Oh, that's interesting. Go on, have, have a guess at home. What do you think 55 years is? Appar- apparently, for, th- for 36, 37 and 38, there isn't really a lot. But, but this, one's qu- this one's quite a good one. This is emerald, emerald turquoise. Wow. Actually, the first, first anniversary is paper, which means you can buy somebody... The modern theme would be clocks, plastic. Plastic? Why would you buy somebody plastic for a wedding anniversary? Uh, second is cotton, then it's leather. Oh, yeah. Explains the village people, doesn't it, I suppose? And for that, it's crystal glass or pearls. Which one do I like the best of? I like the 14th anniversary. Ivory is the theme. I know it's very non-PC at the moment. Gold, jewellery or opals. How lovely. I still get so angry. Actually, every time I talk about gemstones, I still get so angry watching this television programme where these these aimless people sit there flogging tat and then but they put up a price and then i don't quite understand i've never quite nobody's ever explained it to me they say that the little disclaimer comes up there uh the price shown doesn't indicate a worth or a value what do you put it up there for then the answer is it's to fool you into thinking that it's it's really really expensive whereas in fact they're they're selling tat as far as i'm concerned uh eight for eight five oh uh has anybody ever thought of uh has anybody ever bought a Ryanair scratch card, the least appealing gambling prospect of all time? Uh, uh, another one here. Uh, am I right? Did I see Julian Ovenden at the Albert Hall singing musicals from films? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Uh, garlic in grocery stores is from China. It says made in China. I don't think Paul, Paul Cooper's garlic's from China, but I'm, I'm sure you can get everything. I'm sure you can get absolutely everything. Anne says mutant rats. Mutant rats. Headed to England. We have the spiders. What else are on the horizon? With the Ark, where we would have the two-legged rats eating an ass out of house and home. They're called MPs and bankers, says Anne. You are quite right, actually. You're quite right. But I, I don't know why, actually. I don't know... I don't know why these, these rats, all of a sudden, have, have surfaced. I don't... I mean, I really don't know why they've surfaced. I can't quite work it out. But they say that they were discovered in the Sussex town of Eastbourne, Hastings, Battle and East Grinstead. Does that mean... They're obviously coming in on boats then, aren't they? I'm assuming they must be coming in on boats. India's going off to Mars. They've uh, put £45 million into the budget. Not going to get you very far, is it? £45 million quid. I thought people spent billions when they started doing the space race. And uh, we also have... Lots of tsunami debris floating towards California. Not just any amount of tsunami debris. Five tons of it. Five tons. Three times the size of Britain. F- sorry, f- I do beg your pardon. Five million tons of debris. I wonder why well, they said five, five tons of it. Five million tons of junk made up of Japanese homes, boats, cars and businesses is currently floating in the Pacific, northeast of Hawaii, and has sparked fears of an environmental catastrophe. Now, why is that not on the front page of the paper? It's opposed to on the Express. A little tiny bit of, bit of snow. 
little tiny bit of snow, but they say, what's it going to be? Is it going to be a white Christmas? The answer is, quite possibly, it is going to be a white Christmas. It's going to be, it's going to be not pleasant, and we'll have stories. So now, let's face it, now we've warned them. Now the councils have been warned. It's now November the 6th. We managed to survive bonfire now. I didn't hear too much going on, a few sort of whistles and bangs and stuff like that, but otherwise not, not too much. As long as you kept all your dogs inside and cats inside because they don't like it, then that's fine. But uh, I'm, I'm sort of looking and thinking, do you think the council are prepared for, we might have a bad winter, will we have the grit out? And can we have proper grit, not that orange stuff, which gets up the side of the cars, it ruins your paintwork, it's horrible. I hate all of this sort of stuff. comes to Christmas. You know, there's no point getting the car washed over the festive season because it just gets absolutely filthy. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And they're now saying a drink. They love a good medical story in the front of the Express. A drink devised from a vegetable has been hailed as a breakthrough in the search for a cure for flu. I don't think they're ever going to find a cure for flu because it's a virus. And as, and as such, I don't think you're going to find a cure. Didn't we close down the Common Cold Research Unit? I never went to it. I always wanted to. That's where people would, would take their holidays and they would book in and they would give you they would give you the flu or a cold, a very bad cold, and then study the effects of it. And after numerous years of people going there, they were paid for this experiment. You can be paid for, for medical experiments now. Years are being paid. And then, and then they decide to close it because they said we're not going to find a cure. So... Quite clearly, the, uh, this, this wonder drug, it's a strain of bacteria, apparently in a, a pickled turnip, which is a dish popular in Japan. A pickled turnip? Have you heard of such a thing? Have you heard of such a thing? Answer is no. But it's big in Japan, and they seem to be fairly healthy. But I think, I think flu is on the, the menu. I thought I was getting a cold the other day. I thought when I was down with my godchildren, I started sniffing. And I, I remember thinking, and I said, I said, somebody got a cold, because I'm generally quite quick at, picking things up. Britain's biggest student house is here. Uh, this is four houses knocked together. It's in Plymouth. 24 boys and eight girls. Reckon they eat, uh, in a week, a hundred tins of beans. Good Lord. Uh, not just that. 50 pot noodles, 150 takeaways, plus cans of beer. That generates, every week, 20 sacks of rubbish. Very messy students, aren't they? Very messy. And what they do, they pay between £75 and £100 a week for their privately owned digs, have three cleaners to clear up. They share, wait for this one, there's 24 of them, 22 toilets, seven shower cubicles and three kitchens. Between them, they attend 320 hours of lectures a week. So it's the biggest, sorry, 32 of them. 32 of these four houses knocked together. It's obviously very lucrative, isn't it, for the, for the landlord. That's what they're actually paying Hundred between seventy-five and a hundred pounds a week. Blimey, that's not bad, is it? So I just suppose it's hundred pounds. So that's is that three thousand two hundred pounds a week? Ooh, he's got quite a nice little income going on here, just for a few students. But they do have two cleaners who come in because students are very messy. I was speaking to a student yesterday who was at one of our colleges in Twickenham, and he said, "No, this is second year." He said, "We've got to knuckle down for the work now." He said first year was all party-party and drinking and having a bit of fun. He said second year, he said, now we're having to do work. He said, and it's, it's now not as much fun. Not as much fun, I'm afraid. Ooh, what have we got here? A documentary. This is uh, telling the story of Operation Pied Piper. This is a million children evacuated from Britain's towns and cities at the outbreak of war in 1939. Not always with happy consequences. Some children went to horrible houses... For some, it was uh, little more than a child abuser's charity. They were little kids. They were bundled off. They had their little gas masks in their little boxes. 
and they were shown up. My mother got evacuated down to Wargrave in Berkshire, but she had quite a nice time. But some of the girls who, who went, the older girls who were evacuated out to farms, were put to work. They were used as skivvies, and some of the children were abused. And this, um, this documentary is going to be aired. Everybody went with a little label around their neck. You're a bit like a package. You were sort of shoved off on the train and all of a sudden you had to sort of make friends fairly quickly because otherwise it was it was pretty harsh as we got rid of a million kids out of London. As I say, some people did, did quite well and they got nice families, but a lot of the kids didn't do very well at all. And uh, it was really sad. I mean, evacuation wasn't compulsory. Some parents did actually refuse to send their children, despite all the propaganda posters. Uh, one showing an air raid warden standing over a boy with the words, Leave Hitler to me, Sonny. You ought to be out of London. They tried to make it so unappealing so they were getting them out of the train stations as quick as possible. You might have been one of those evacuees. You might have been one of those people who actually was evacuated and you, and you had a nice time. But many of the kids didn't have a nice time and that's why they were called Labelled with Love. Labelled with Love. Operation Pied Piper. Get them out of town quick as possible. Save the children. Save the children. Uh, we'll take a short break for the news. Uh, we've got a story about uh, Eric Morecambe. Now, you remember that Morecambe and Weiss fell out with the BBC when they dropped them from the Christmas Day and they shoved them later and then they went to ITV and that was ultimately their demise. There is a new book out at the moment. Uh, Eddie Braben has put in a lot of these scripts, uh, in fact, all the scripts, I think, from Morecambe and Wise. It's a fascinating book about the show and how it evolved and how they stuck with the same writer for a long, long time. A nice little Christmas filler. Of course, my other recommendation would be Philomena, the, the lost child of Philomena Lee. Go see the film. If you want a laugh and a cry and a clap at the end, that's the film for you. OK, short break for the news at six. More in a few minutes. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. As he insists he's sticking around on Strictly Come Dancing, Dave Myers has said, no, I'm sta- I wish he'd go. He's now becoming an irritant. It was funny to start with. Now you know it's a bit contrived. He's sort of uh, putting on the show-off side of him. It's a bit like Susanna Reid. I'm so sick of seeing Susanna Reid and reading articles about Susanna Reid. I'd rather they just all stayed under the wire, but you're going to get it because they're all desperate for their little bit of fame. It's like Paul Hollywood's wife. That's the one who sat at home being the doormat while he was off gallivanting around America with some little, some little person he'd picked up over there. And then when that all fell apart, he crawls back to the wife, who apparently has just been signed up by Tesco. She's decided she wants to be a celebrity now as well. Oh, don't they all... Don't they all? You think, oh, blimey, two drearies in the same family. I didn't think it was possible. You're very right. Chuggers and their employees make a ton of profit, says Jonathan. Yes, they, well, they, they pay between eight and ten pounds an hour for people to jump in front. As far as I'm concerned, it's begging. As far as I'm concerned, it's begging. Don't ever give them any money. I don't know why, why council's even licensed. They had been banned from lots of places. All they do is they just all turn up on the train. Somebody will arrive who's obviously the team leader. They've all learnt the script. Hello, would you like to save gay whales in Argentina or something? I don't know. And they all put on this little coloured jacket and then they become those vile people that you can't get rid of. They're like something on the bottom of your shoe that you need to scrape off. But they're earning a lot. I always say to them, how much are you earning? And I, have you ever tried to stand next to them while they're doing the spiel to somebody else? They don't like that at all. They, don't, they like to do the one-to-one, hello, and they like to be all happy, and, because the more people they sign up, the happier they are. So that's why I always make sure that they, uh, they don't. Cycling in London says drivers are hypocrites, Matthew does. They complain with good reason about cyclists on pavements. As a cyclist, I abhor 
this behaviour, but there are substantial law breakings by drivers, all of which go unpunished. Speeders who get points are quite belligerent. I even heard one saying on Petri Hoskins' show that moderate drinking and driving was acceptable. As for their complaint that they're persecuted by the police, that's a sick joke. I think there's good and bad in everything, don't you? Don't you think there's good and bad? There must be good drivers and bad drivers. I've seen bad drivers on the road. It's like there are good black cab drivers and there are very bad black cab drivers. You know, there's good and bad in just about everything. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. It's, you know, that's the way it goes. Unfortunately, the bad news is Peter Andre's news is that his show starts... Um, his first... Oh, oh, there are. Peter Andre's doing a tour again. Oh, God, how dreary. You know, hasn't had a hit single in donkey's years. And so, um, that's the... He's announced his first major UK tour in two years, including his first ever performance at the world-renowned Royal Albert Hall, a 24-date tour. He won't sell out the Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> That'll be seats available at all prices. Thank you, Julie, for that one. I knew somebody would know the answer. And I think his, other, his TV show start. He hasn't had a hit single in... Eight, when was Peter Andre's last hit single? Was that Insania or something Insania Girl or whatever? I can't remember what it was called. Ser- Mysterious Girl. Was that the one he sang in the jungle to Jordan and she's still married him? God, must have been tone deaf. Oh, that was Insania, was it? But two hit singles and on the strength of that, a world tour. Or his, his biggest tour and the Albert Hall. Oh, God, that sounds like a, a way to lose money fairly quickly. Uh, the bathrobe story made me smile. This is Paul in Manchesterford. Many moons ago, I was the valet at one of Manchesterford's best-known hotels, and part of the job was to make sure that all the robes, fruit, and all the things requested as riders were in the suites before the VIPs arrived. We had a very well-known Hollywood legend coming, and myself and the head housekeeper had thoroughly checked everything twice over to make sure all was spot-on. Imagine our horror when a panic-stricken receptionist rang me in my office to tell me there were no robes or slippers in the room to get me bottom-up there pronto, pausing only to pick up two robes and two pairs of slippers, ran up to the fourth floor, and as the star concerned was known for being difficult, rang the bell of the suite, concerned, and uh, so I was worried about, about the sort of reception I'd get. The door swung open and the great man appeared, apologising profusely. I followed him into the suite lounge to deposit said items on the table. As I did so, I happened to look into the bedroom as the door was open to find the wife of the celebrity just about to put robes and slippers into their rather large suitcases. With a cheery... So you found them after all, madam. I quickly made my way out of the suite with the stuff they reckoned they hadn't had, thus saving the hotel some £200. Oh, the announcement is that Peter loves his kids, and he's touring again. Yes, as we've just discovered. How convenient. He's got a current TV show to announce it on. He's already said New Baby, when it arrives, will be touring with him. 60 Minutes still not aired, and he's still saying this is the last series of my... Sorry, my, my life. By the way... Oh, I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that, Paul. Um, I can't tell you that. OK? I can't tell you that. Not on air. I might, might tell you privately. So, um, so Peter Andre's touring. God, how boring. I mean, who, who buys tickets? I need, to, I need to get... We need to get some LBC listeners to go to one of these shows. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they'll be remained at the Royal Albert Hall, because most of his venues are tiddly little places. We should have actually checked, shouldn't I? I should have, I should have checked when I, when I looked at little Julie's thing, when it said buy tickets here. I don't know how much he charges for tickets for his show. Is, is, he, is he terribly expensive, do you think? Does he think he does meet and greet like Matt Goss? And what does he sing? Strange. Uh, Zach says, are you a member of the Magic Circle? I'm a member of the Inner Magic Circle. Thank you. I'm M-I-M-C. Member in, yes, member of the Inner Magic I have to remember, actually, what I was. And uh, because my son loves performing magic. Well, there is a junior Magic Circle. There is a, a, a junior Magic Circle. Go onto the Magic Circle website and there's details on there. I think you have to be a certain age, but my friend Daryl, his, his daughter goes, and she's only young. 
I think she was the only girl there the other week, poor soul. Uh, just, this is Andrew and, uh, and Keisha snoring in Tottenham. Just for once, I find myself awake at this time of the morning and able to listen live rather than podcast as normal. Keisha's snoring in the background, but I have to work a day in Milton Keynes. Ugh, so up early. Just had to say hello. Noreen and all the usual suspects, as it's been a while, but we're still podcasting faithfully and loving the show. And I've just heard you mention Ratner, Steve. My first job at 16 was over Christmas, and then on Saturdays for Ernest Jones in Oxford Circus. I was the envy of all my schoolmates, earning a whopping £20 a day. Few people realised that back then Ratner owned not only Ratner, but also H. Samuels, Ernest Jones, Zales, Leslie Davis, the lot, and it was all rubbish. Uh, I remember bending a sovereign ring just by putting it gently into the ring box designed to hold it. <laughs> That's Saturday. Do you remember Saturday jobs? Saturday job. Did I have a Saturday job? No. I don't think I had a Saturday job because I went straight from school, leaving school at 15, to working in a, in a store. I was in retail straight away. Shake your head like that. It was a good job. I, li- I was really good. Did you have a Saturday job? What were you? You were w- in Waitrose. Right. What were you shelf stacking? About... Biscuits and cereals. It's about the level of intelligence, isn't it, really? So I was, I was selling carpets and I went on to sell curtains and soft furnishings and, you know, wallpaper and stuff like that. I was very good at, yeah, you sell frosty. Well, you didn't actually sell frosty. You just put the frosties onto the shelf. That was it. You didn't sell anything. You, did, you didn't actually even move up to the till, did you? You were just, oh, did you do the till? Oh, I bet you were the most miserable person there. I bet they go, hello. And yeah, yeah, whatever. I can just see you in there. <sighs> Dear. Anyway. Andrew and uh, Keisha, when eventually Keisha wakes up. That'd be quite nice. Don't like to lose... I'm glad that you, you still podcast. I think that's good, actually. I think more people should podcast. Go to the LBC website, which is lbc.co.uk. I'm listening to your show from Dubai and enjoying your accent as well, says Fatima. My accent as well. Does it not sound like everybody else's accent on the radio? Uh, Arthur says... <laughs> maybe Peter Andre was going to announce a repeat of his reality show. Peter Andre, my life... Or my, my tragedy, I think. What's he going to do when they take away the cameras? What will he do? He'll just probably go into deep decline. Never mind. He'll have Toss, 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 Toss to be with him and their, their new child, which is lovely. Uh, 84850. Julie says, I've sent you the big news, yawn, on Mr. Andre. He tweeted it to you too, love. Yes. Thank you. At least we know what he's doing now. Because we, 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 I always love it when people say, I've got a big announcement to make. And you think, well, what is it? And then I never hear anything else about it. Presumably, the India to Mars money, Steve, came from us. Presumably, we're still giving them millions and millions. That's from Jill. Yes, we are. I don't know why. It seems an awful lot of money, doesn't it? 45 million. Although, actually, 45 million to actually get somebody to Mars. Is there anything on Mars? Is Mars very exciting? I don't know. Is there a life on other planets? Probably not. Are the little green men? No. But, of course, the answer is we don't know. We don't know. Uh, Has the Goss boy sold out his UK telephone box venue yet? There's somebody from, uh, from Romford. I'm tone deaf. Will the concert be good for me? I think he's, I think he's gone back to America. He's doing the Gossy Room. The Gossy Room, which is in Caesar's Palace. It's a small little venue. It's, it's him over-amplified and doing luck be a lady tonight. Uh, 84850. Steve, I'm a London cabbie. Seven out of ten of red lights that I stop at, a cyclist will go across against the red light. They're rude and aggressive. The reason? They're poor and need to save their pennies. There you go. <laughs> 84850 Dave Meyer, Steve, is not funny now on Strictly he's become a bit pathetic yes, and if Peter Andre was singing in my garden Steve, I would close the blinds and phone the police Anne-Marie says, I don't talk to chuggers 
The chugger accuses me of discrimination. I just laughed. Oh, I got angry with one of them. I told him in the end to sort of, you know, sex and travel. I really wasn't interested in listening to his pathetic ramblings. My, uh, my dear old dad was evacuated, talking about the evacuation, to Windsor, says Sue. He would wander in the Great Park and got to spend time with the groundsmen. They gave him permission to take fallen branches for the family he was staying with for the fire, stopped one day by the local Bobby as he'd gone a little too far and made a frame so he could drag large amounts of wood away. He had happy memories of his evacuation and told many funny stories. That's what we, I bet everybody's got good and bad stories about their evacuation from the 1939s. It's quarter past six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 6.21. Not too, uh, not too long. There's a lovely story in the paper today. Well, it's not a lovely story because it, it frightens me. I've already admitted that I'm, I'm not good with snakes. And there is a, a man called Adam Gubbay. He had a two and a half foot long corn snake called Milky. I don't know why you'd ever name a snake. I really, They don't hear. They're deaf, aren't they, as far as I know. Anyway, he, he took this snake onto a plane and wondered why people went... Uh, uh, passengers screamed when they saw it. The captain threatened to land the Tel Aviv to Luton flight early. Adam was annoyed. EasyJet charged him £25 to put his other bag in the hold so he could take the snake on as hand luggage. They said they gave me a lot of hassle when boarding but about paying £25 for having an extra piece of hand luggage. They just wanted extra money. The snake wasn't the problem. I had Milky in a cardboard box with air holes, which I put in a bag. It even beeped when it went through security. They scanned it and let me go through. He's a trainee bus driver. I love the idea of a trainee bus driver from Stoke Newington. He bought the £50 snake for a pet shop whilst in Israel for his cousin's wedding. Oh, God, I couldn't even entertain the idea. And six-month-old Milky was found when Adam... Gave him some water. A woman in our road just started screaming, snake on a plane. Other people were concerned, but others were quite cool. Adam was given a, a warning. Apparently, it's, you can take snakes onto a plane because a spokeswoman for EasyJet said they'd launched a probe into how the snake was allowed onto the plane. She said the cabin crew were only made aware of the snake during the flight and they dealt with the issue in a professional manner. The harmless snake remained in its container at all time and passengers were, were not in any danger. But... They've raised the issue with the airport to understand why the reptile was not detected. And perhaps they looked away for that brief moment that a snake in a box went through. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? Just rid- I mean, I'd, I, I would also be crawling out of my seat. Just imagine if you were sort of sitting next, sitting next to him, and then he takes this, this box out and he's got a snake in there. Oh, dear me. I don't think so. 84850, uk. Uh, preparing for my trading sessions in Poland this week, says Mark. He's usually in Dunstable. We have found out what Paul, Peter Andre is up to. He's, uh, he's announced the uh, stunning news that he's going on tour. Yes, Peter Andre is doing a 24-date tour. He's, he's in competition with Anton Deck. And I wouldn't like to take bets on it, but I'm, I'm a sneaking feeling that Anton Deck might do better with their Saturday takeaway tour than Peter Andre. He's going to be playing the Royal Albert Hall. Not even I would risk playing the Royal Albert Hall. And I can normally sell out theatres fairly quickly. In fact, very quickly. But in the case of Peter Andre, will he sell out? I don't think so. I don't think even that bloke from Bross sold out the Albert Hall. It's a barn. It takes 5,000 people. It's not a great place for a, for a concert at all. It really isn't. Uh, please wish Bill Paul's dad a very, very happy, happy birthday, says Diana. I shall still need my alarm call at eight as I'm going back to sleep. Hope Bill has a great day. I'm sure he will have a fantastic day. Paul O'Grady's new show from five and... Uh, the Peach Show, that do-it-yourself show, starts in the afternoon next week at 2pm. Can't wait to see how bad that is, I'm afraid. I don't know whether or not it's uh, 
I don't whether or not it's actually going to make it, because I, I don't think, I think they're, they're just trying to find a, a vehicle for him, because he's not particularly good at anything. He's not a good presenter. His singing's a bit weak. He's way too old to enter the charts now. That You know, you're not going to be singing anytime soon, Peter Andre, in the charts, because I just don't think his stuff gets played. I just don't think that there is the, uh, the sort of room for things like that. There are too many specialists station. Uh, please wish my mum all the best. Mum is now halfway through her treatment, a real trooper. And that's, um, unfortunately, we don't know your mum's name or anything at all, but we just know she's halfway through her treatment. Could be anybody, could be anybody. I support uh, last night's protest march about the utilities increase. Well done and good of them. It's all right for the grandees. Why do we have to support and bail out the politicians yet again? Such gall and effrontery. Uh, the Poppy Factory is in uh, Richmond. I said it was in Richmond. Of course I know where it is in Richmond. It's on the lower Richmond Road. It's some really stupid people, don't you? Who's that? I don't know who it is. It's, uh, yes, it's, it's in Richmond. Where do you think it was? I didn't say it was in Twickenham. This is poor Anna. Dear. Not the brightest penny in the box, but never mind. 84850, Steve at LBC. My mum was evacuated at the age of 12 and was made to skivvy for a horrible woman who was out every night and who fed her and the other evacuees cold tripe and onions. Every day she ran back to the bombs in the East End and Nan's tasty inventive cooking. <laughs> Yes, I can imagine. So, as I say, some people had, had a, a good experience of evacuation. Some people had a terrible experience. Kevin the Milkman says, people being paid for medical experiments, Steve. That explains the only way is Essex. It explains Anna as well, who's a little bit not there in the upstairs department, I'm afraid. So, Nick Ferrari and the team after seven this morning. Oliver Duff is going to be looking at the papers. He's from the I newspaper. He'll be live in the studio. I'll give you the front pages in one second. Uh, the X Factor... The latest blatant deliberate attempt, says Kevin O'Sullivan, to stir up controversy. That's ITV's PR flunkies trudging down their all-too-familiar faux defensive path. We do not believe Lady Gaga's performance was inappropriate for the family audience. Well, of course it was. It was just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. But that's how they get publicity for television programmes. But it's not working for The X Factor, is it? They're going the same way as Ryanair. They seem to be sort of hemorrhaging people, I'm afraid, and hemorrhaging them quite quickly. Quite quickly. Um <laughs> TV dross, he says, the indecipherable mumblings on Ripper Street, the endless perfume plugging on Peter Andre, My Life, Channel 4's obsession with gawping at the afflicted. Yes, and genuine horror as ITV2 decided that the voice reject, Reggie Yates, was the right man to host its Halloween special, Release the Hounds, which, of course, he wasn't. Featuring fake blood, fake fear and highly trained, unterrifying Alsatians, this was a dismal dog of a show. Yes. Again, another presenter they don't really know what to do with. You know, they've tried them on certain things and they haven't worked on other things. So when it comes down to it, I suppose we should be grateful we've got Eamon Holmes. Daily Mirror probe. Police probing NHS waiting list fixed. Killed by her pet Mastiff, who was a rescue dog, who they'd been told was safe with children. There's a picture on the front page of little Lexi, four years old, attacked as she slept. She didn't even antagonise it or anything like that. Daily Express, Britain getting its first blast of winter snow. But is it going to be a white Christmas? I think it's going to be bad this year. I think it's going to be bad this year. Uh, and there's a picture of a motorist battling through a blanket of snow in Teesdale, which is... Uh, which is <laughs> Doesn't look too healthy, actually. But if it comes down here, we'll suffer. And two of the stupidest girls you've ever seen on the front page of The Sun. Uh, they've dressed up as the Twin Towers for a fancy dress party in Chester. And they won first prize, proving that students really are as thick as bricks. And here they are in the paper today. Ironic, one of the girls, her father is a pilot. He said, we'll be having words. I think you will be... T Hello. 
Hello. So we like to say hello to people in the morning. It's, we, it's, it's cheaper than a group hug. It's just easier if you wave to people. The group hug thing, I think, is pushing it too far. Listen, have a, have a great day. Wrap up. Going to be rain. Rain tomorrow. Rain day after. All the rest of it. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Free podcast in half an hour. Nick and the team at seven. Next, the morning news with Lisa Aziz. LBC 97.3.